a miracle. Are you ready for a miracle with you, GT? Oh, radio is here to you. We're gonna learn something new. Are you ready for a miracle at UGT? for a miracle. It is I, the underground professor, coming at you almost live, high atop a double rainbow as it arches over the... Well, everything's falling apart here again. As it arches over the Hermitage of North Texas's liberal conservative studies. Yes? Oh, well, we can leave it the way it is. Then. Everything is just piling up here. And we have been away way too long. Nothing is set and working the way it used to be. We'll get it all done eventually. And back at, uh, So I won't be able to customize it I'm not quite sure what that means My son-in-law just sent me a message That says I won't be able to customize it Probably <laughs> I am your benevolent underground professor This is not far right radio Just right radio And we are here to talk about The constitution And what it's all about 
Chat isn't loading, but I have audio. Huh. Let me try chat again. I shall. If I can get to it. I'm not sure how to get down there. Okay, we will nuke that and try chat. According to the Tsarina, there is no chat, but it was sitting here on my screen looking pretty. So we'll try it again, see what happens. All right, I'm the Underground Professor. This is the Underground Professor Show, and there is nobody in the chat room, but it's loaded, Tsarina. So you might want to try it again. I don't know where the problem is. You're in, my end. Blog Talk's in, probably. I'm using Direct Connect and Google Chrome as per what they like, since everything else doesn't ever seem to work around here with them. And, oops, the pop filter. Okay, we got that now. And let's see, what else? Uh, Everything looks loaded. So, doesn't look like I'm going to have a chat room tonight, evidently. Don't know what to do about that. (laughs) I've already reset it, so anything beyond that, I don't have much power over. uh, Sadly. Let me see. I don't see anything else I can do, guys. Let me see if I can... uh, I can always reboot the blog talk page. Hopefully that won't dump me. We'll see. It's got me in there, all right, and it's reloading. And... uh, um, Mary says she's been having problems all day. Let's see. I'll redo the chat room now. But, uh, no, no one's there. Well, it may be your end, Mary. Maybe may be my end. I'm just going to have to roll with it, I guess, sadly. But good to know you're there and that y'all can hear. All right, everybody in Periscope, welcome back. I know I've taken two months off, and I owe you guys a big apology for that. Uh, I met a girl. I met an amazing girl five months ago, and the uh, yes, you can. Uh, yes, you can chat with me there. I'll I'll just leave the phone up so I can see it. Oh, can't do it there. <laughs> there we go. But, uh, I'll put it there and I can see it. I don't know if I can see Periscope chat, so I'll move that over here. All right. So I met a girl. She's an amazing girl. She has a unique power over me to both make me extremely happy and bat guana crazy. And uh, and I suppose if you've ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. That, uh, there's a lot of, of getting used to being with each other because neither one of us have really had anybody in our lives for quite a while, and uh, me especially. And there's a lot of getting used to having other people. And so I have been busy doing that this last month. uh, But I'm back. I'm going to be doing radio consistently now. Uh, I apologize for Tuesday night. I scheduled the show. I planned to be here. And then completely spaced that it was Lily's birthday. And... uh, my potentially future daughter, if things go better between her mom and I, then one day we may marry, and that may be my daughter, uh, one of three. And she turned nine, and it was a very important birthday party, uh, and I had to be there. And I completely forgot about the radio until a little after seven, and I was knee-deep in birthday shenanigans. Uh, So I apologize to everybody 
uh, I intended to do both, and I knew both were at the same time, and I have no idea why my brain didn't figure that all out for, for you guys. At, uh, but uh, anyway, Tuesday, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central Texas time, and we will promise to be more consistent on that. I, I will really give it a try. Um, it's a little weird getting back into this after two months of being off, let me tell you. Uh, have to rebuild the audience and the brand, and I have to uh, re-educate people on what I'm doing. But uh, let me tell you what the Underground Professor is all about. We're about the truth, and we're about original intent, how the founders set this up, and the framers of our Constitution and other organic documents We're about teaching the citizens of this country and citizens around the world how a constitutionally federated republic actually works. I actually had a guy at work today shocked that I was not a proponent of a democracy. Hey, freedom not free, welcome back. And so, I mean, he was shocked that I was against democracies. And he acted as if I was somehow anti-America, anti-American, Nazi fascist, because I wasn't for democracies. I ask you, in fact, I ask you to name me the founding father who was a proponent of democracies. That's exactly right. There weren't any. As far as I know, there were none. Thank you, Freedom. Exactly right. So why should I be excited about a democracy if the people who created our country thought that that was mob rule and that it was chaos and that it was non-sustainable and that only a short-term government would work under democracy? And they listed thousands of reasons why a democracy was antithetical to freedom. So, again, I ask you, how is that anti-American? Democracy means majority rule, Mary says. Uh, can't be one if only 2% call the shots. That's exactly right. We are a republic. The Federalist Papers should be required to study by high schools, Freedom says. Yes, that is all correct. If you want to wow and impress your friends, the proper definition of our government is not a republic. It's not a democratic republic, for God's sake, which is being pushed by academia and progressives now because they are still hell-bent on getting the word democracy into everything because that changes – the language changes the meaning, and the meaning, if they change it, then they can manipulate it, and then they can convince you to steal your freedoms, which, if you think I'm crazy, all you have to do is look at eight years of Obama and then come back to me and say, oh, my gosh, you were right. We're right. We are not a democratic republic. We are not simply a republic, although that is not incorrect. We are a republic. A republic is a form of government where the sovereigns, not the people of the country, the sovereigns. A republic can have sovereigns that are only landed gentry. In this country, the sovereigns happen to be citizens. All of them, legal, not illegal, legal citizens. 
But a republic is one where the citizens of a country, the sovereigns, hire from within themselves people to go and represent them in government. Not to rule them, to represent them. One of the unique factors of American government is that we are not ruled. We are led. We have leaders. We hire professional politicians, sadly. That wasn't the way it was set up to start. It was set up to start that citizens would leave their work and go and lead the country for a little while and then go back to their trade. Uh, so you have illegal governors soon. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, who cares? They're going to secede. And I say, I say, if you can help California secede, do so because it's in America's best interest. And I mean this by, by wholehearted. I mean, let's get rid of California and then we can put a damn wall up. Forget, forget the wall against Mexico, Trump. Let's go put a wall up around California and run it all the way up to Washington State. Ram it into Canada and say, you know what, you guys, you guys call yourselves, you know, uh, Taxifornia or whatever you want to call yourselves because you guys all love taxes over there. Just get the hell out of America. If we lose California, we do not lose anything in this country. But let me ask you this. What happens if California secedes? No longer is in the United States, which means it's no longer in what? And this is important. This is critical. This is why I am so much in favor of California seceding. And if they don't, then I'm in favor of my Texas seceding. <clears throat> if California secedes, then those millions upon millions of progressive voters go with them. And the Electoral College changes. All of those electoral delegates, which are more than Texas, Disappear off the map. Texas becomes number one in electoral college, which means we have the most influence on picking the next president. And California won't be a factor. If you take L.A. and New York City, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. If California secedes, then we will never have the popular vote question come up under the electoral college again for Democrats because all of those 50-something electoral and I don't remember anybody. Mary, you want to look up and tell me what California's electoral college thing is? Uh, I can't remember. It's huge. Those go away and they get redistributed amongst America. Right? And I think it's 55, yeah. So we redistribute that 118. That can't be right. Not electoral college delegates. Whew, that seems excessive. Even even for me. <laughs> Let me see here. Let me see. California. See, California. Electoral delegates. Let's see if I even spelled that right. I can't. I wasn't looking. 55. Yes, it is 55. So, 55 delegates redistributed across the country which means Texas and everybody else. I mean, Delaware, maybe. I mean, okay, here's how it is. Every state gets three minimum because you get one for every representative and one for every senator, right? So we redistribute the electoral college. Whether we take 55 from the, you know, the 270 needed or what, we, we subtract it or we redistribute it. 
the and the way it would be redistributed is, is we would change the factor of how many people a representative represents. So if we wanted to keep the electoral college at the same number, then that would mean representatives represent fewer people, and that would spread them out better. And we'd just hire more representatives per state, and we keep the same body number in Congress, which I would recommend. But if not, then we just subtract the 55 delegates, which means two senators and 53 representatives get sucked out of the House of Representatives and Senate. And so we only have 98 uh, rep, uh, senators and we lose 53 representatives in the House. It would make things less crowded for them. Um, but the important thing is, is they wouldn't go to a Democrat anymore, which we wouldn't have to find a way every election to surmount 55 delegate votes in the Electoral College to a Democrat. And they would not get the popular vote because all those people in L.A. would be stuck in California and they would no longer be voting legally or illegally in America. And Democrats would never again have the argument of winning the popular vote. They'd still have New York City, not enough. We would, we would surmount that problem. So, if you can help encourage California to secede, it is in America's best interest to do so. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I have a very good friend named Agador who has worked very hard on helping me with the State of the State Address by Greg Abbott in Texas. I simply do not have time to to do it uh, tonight. So our next show will be Tuesday, and we're going to do the state of the state. And we may have to run into a two-hour show, but I hope to still get it all done in an hour. I'm going to cover the Greg Abbott speech of the state of the state. And I think this is important to the country and the world so you can learn about state of the states. But you can see what's going on in Texas and the vanguard push for liberty and freedom that we're doing. We have so many things going on uh, in Texas right now. We've got a, uh, I wish you would look up the 2016 electoral map based on counties. Really puts some, yeah, it is. It, you, you look at it and the virtual map is red and only smatterings of blue on the, on the coasts, right? So <clears throat> you get rid of California, that disappears. If, especially if you can get rid of California, Oregon, Washington, uh, then, uh, then it would be a piece of cake for that. It, uh, when you break it down by counties, so you break it down by uh, voting precincts, it is even more amazing when you see all that. Um, even California has quite a lot of blue in it. It's simply L.A. and a few other places like San Diego that are, uh, are reddish, are, are blue, and then the rest are kind of red and purple. Uh, L.A. and San Diego and a couple of other places seem to be very solidly red. And that has such a population density that it affects the rest of the state and carries it. And uh, they own Hollywood, Orange County, I guess, so Disneyland, that, that, those kind of places. But but um, and the rest of it has real citizens. And I. Of course, you know, we have the yeah, the next seismic event may fix this problem for us without. <laughs> it's exactly right. We can hope for God to fix it, too. The the uh, problem uh, with all of this is, yeah, is that we have uh, 
an electoral college that did its job in the last election. Oops, I missed the message. I'm sorry. I was turning on my fan. It got kind of hot in here. All the equipment heated up the room. Uh, We have an electoral college that did its job. Thank the gods that it did. And it worked as advertised. It separated the powers of the sovereign, which was its job, and it limited the powers of government, which is also of its job. Hey, welcome, South Paul, and everybody else that's been coming in. So that's good. But we can go over Electoral College again later. Uh, Trump, I mean, geez, you guys know I was never a huge Trump fan. I liked Ted Cruz, but I'm going to tell you, had Ted Cruz won, we would not have seen as many conservative uh, issues passed on where are the botched raids, uh, hearings on the botched raids in Yemen. That's a good question. Uh, I think Congress is kind of tied up right now, but they should be they should be getting special committees looking into that stuff. You got that right. We have enough. Oops, we have enough material for a wall. <laughs> yeah, every liberal should have break with Trump on <laughs> Uh, I don't know about Yemen and, and Trump had military actions. People get killed. I was in the military. These things happen. Uh, it doesn't require trials because people die. What requires trials is if there was incompetence or malfeasance. Uh, but everything should be looked at. Benghazi should be looked at. I don't think that we have done that an adequate job. Uh, um, what was that? Uh, the helicopter, uh, 13. Mary, what's the name of that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, I still think that uh, Black Hawk Down should be reinvestigated. Benghazi should be investigated. Uh, uh, Not Stinger 13. What was the name of that? Extortion 17. Yes, thank you. Mary got it just as I did. Yes, I got it before Mary did. Extortion 17 should be reinvestigated. The whole SEAL Team 6 incident uh, being exposed and everyone killed under Obama's watch that mysteriously were the same team that got uh, bin Laden. That needs to be investigated. Hillary's servers need to be investigated. The Russian hack of our election should be investigated, but keep in mind that the Russians did not hack our election. They hacked the Democrat National Committee's servers and Hillary's servers. That's what they hacked. So they didn't steal the election by hacking those servers. And if the Democrats weren't so damn corrupt and, and well, they're like a third world country, you know, like Mexico and their corrupt government, if they weren't so corrupt and the Republicans aren't much better, I'm not defending Republicans here. I'm just simply saying the Democrats are so damn corrupt and they were the ones that were hacked uh, that had they not been so corrupt, maybe it wouldn't have affected their chances of the election. But they all need to be investigated, and I'm very discouraged under Trump saying that he's not looking backwards, he's looking forwards, because I want him to look backwards a little. But even if Cruz had been president, we would not have had this much done in this many days. What are we talking about? Two weeks, and, and every day there's new stuff, several, not one, but several things being implemented and started. Trump is up there multitasking working massive hours and getting all of his people involved in starting projects and doing things. He's writing a lot of executive orders and there's a lot of people bitching about the executive orders Trump's writing, but let's keep this in mind too, that Trump is still behind Obama when it comes to writing executive orders. She should go to jail. You're right. Uh, 
I hope he's doing this subtly. Yeah, you may be right, Freedom. Trump has not written as many executive orders as Obama did by this time, two weeks. But even more importantly, every single executive order, I have not read them all, but I've heard about them all, and I've read several. They all fall within the bounds of the Constitution and the section pertaining to the president. You know, we have section Article 2, 3, and 4, right? Maybe get, you got the, the legislature, the executive branch, and the judiciary. And they are falling within the parameters of the Constitution and the decisions that Congress had made by who they give authority to. For instance, uh, a lot of this foreign stuff they, that Trump is getting involved with, Congress had empowered POTUS to do. So any POTUS that we elect has the authority to do a lot of the things that Trump is doing. I don't think these are proper things for a POTUS or our legislature to do, but they were approved and done, and there you go. And, uh, but it is incredible how much Trump has gotten done. Whether you like it or not, he is, it is amazing that he's keeping his promises, and he is fulfilling them, and he is earnest. I'm very pleased that he is not shying away from God, which I thought he would. I thought that was kind of a stage. He was not shying away from abortion, which I thought this man has flipped so many times on abortion in his life that I told everybody you can't trust him and believe what he says about it. But by golly, it looks like he's found a position. Uh, it looks like he's starting on the wall. It looks like he's starting to get rid of illegal immigration. It looks like he's standing up to our enemies and other aggressive nations that aren't our friends necessarily, but not enemies and our allies. Like, uh, like what we're talking about with Australia, all of you blokes down under, no worries. eh? the, uh, uh, this is kind of cool. I I got 2.5% of my audience comes from Australia. Two and a half percent. That's you know that's kind of cool. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's that's several thousand people. Uh, think about this. The media is trying to convince us that the prime minister of Australia and the president of the United States had crosswords and were mad at each other, and Donald Trump threatened. Now, a little patience. Uh, we discover that. That's all lies, that it's made-up news. Uh, What are they calling it today? Fake news? I just call it mainstream news because it's always been fake and agendized and arranged to make us get angry and upset against one political party and favor the other. But um, this is fake news. They're coming out and they're lying about these things. The prime minister is saying this stuff didn't happen. The president of Mexico is saying no, he didn't come in and say if you don't Harness these hombres, I'm going to send in the military. That wasn't it. He offered me help and said that he offered the help of the military if he can't do it, but he did not threaten us with it. And the media ignores those statements of the president. I don't know why they ignore the statements of the president of Mexico, but, you know, we paid a lot of attention to that. Hey, computer ran. We, we pay a lot of attention to that stuff here in Texas because it affects us very closely. 
the wall, the illegal immigration, the legal immigration, all of that is very important. Trade, you know, we about freaked out when Trump said he was going to put tariffs and stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't start trade wars down here, but you'll cost us a lot of jobs and a lot of money down here in Texas. We don't need uh, yeah. Go the Western Union route. Tax the Western Union receipts of people sending money out of the country. Have a nut, but don't don't be putting tariffs on things coming in. They were taxed enough already, right? As Trump is doing a lot of amazing work, um, I was very reserved. I hoped he would do well. So far, I don't have very many complaints. The people he's appointed, I've not been in love with all of them. I mean, the, the Secretary of Education, Dow, or whatever her name, Dowdy, Dewey, uh, Dwa, whatever her name is, uh, not really a big fan because I think she is kind of a common core uh, lover. Maybe secret, but I still think she likes common core. Deva, that's it. Davos or Deva, however you say her name. Everybody, you gotta, you got to forgive me, man. My heater has kicked in, and my studio has – it feels like it's over 100 degrees in here. Uh, let, me, let me throw something on here real quick, and I'll be right back. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and good evening. This is Great Moments in Redneck History. One spring morning in South Georgia in 1898, Miss Hattie Mae Calhoun had just finished one of her scrumptious peach cobblers. Oh, you can't hardly hear that. Able to cool. But there was a big problem. Every time she would set the cobbler out to cool, flies would be all over it like bullets on rednecks. This enraged Hattie Mae. She tried swinging her hands and her feet, even pots and pans. But those quick little insects were always one step ahead. She thought and thought. And then it clicked. She cut a piece of screen out of the screen door her husband Billy Bob was supposed to fix months ago and pasted it on a yardstick. The whole house was insect free just a couple of minutes. It was a marvelous, marvelous invention. You see, the flies could sense the air pressure from a solid object like a hand. Man, she wasn't that copper cook off that year. But she did so much more for the entire human population. And I thank you, Miss Hattie Mae Calhoun, for the world's first flyswatter. And this has been another great moment in redneck history. <laughs> well, there you go. Redneck history, everybody. Very important. Uh... You still can't get it. Yeah, there's no one in my chat room. I don't know what the deal is here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this and nuke it. Then I'm going to reboot. Where is the reboot button? I can't even see it. There we go. Reboot that. And turn off the mic. There we go. Got that going. <clears throat> and let's see here. Rebooting blog talk. Dun, dun, dun. And then come up with the shot room. And boom. Connecting. Let's see what happens. Okay. Well, you're not in there, Zarina. So I just rebooted it again. And uh, 
nobody's there. So it says one user, which means me. So it, at least it shows I'm in here. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on with teachers lately. I mean, you noticed? It's like, holy crap. Um, Texas, we had a teacher right up here near me. She brought a plastic gun into the classroom, a toy gun, water gun, and showed the inauguration of Donald Trump. And while it was playing for her students, she got in front of it, took a stand, raised the gun, and screamed, die, Trump, and shot him with the water pistol, staging a mock assassination of the president of the United States. I don't know how you feel about that. But, uh, if that had been Obama, I still would be pissed. And I think Obama's a criminal. I think he should be in jail for tr- being a traitor to this country, a traitor to this country by what he did to the military and our Constitution. But I think that if a Republican or conservative-minded teacher got up and did that to his inauguration, she should she'd go Leavenworth. She should get some time. You know, she certainly shouldn't be in front of our children teaching. She did it to Trump. Secret Service should have her, and we should never hear from this chick again. She damn sure better not ever get in front of children and teach again. But what is the problem with these academic types? You know, and I'm a professor. I, I used to be one. I quit because I got so frustrated with the process. These are supposed to be intellectual people, people who have spent their lives learning. How can they be so stupid and be so educated? I contend that having degrees do not make you smarter in any general sense of the word. They are so, every degree you advance towards, from associates through postdoctoral, what do they do? They focus on more and more specific stuff. So it becomes a very specified education, meaning that you become an expert on a very tiny little wee bit of whatever it is you're an expert on. And all the other knowledge kind of goes past you. Uh, so you're not, an, you know, you're not generally well-informed or educated. You are very educated on one thing, kind of like an idiot savant, if you will. The academia is unhinged in this country. They have been inbred for too long, only enforcing and rehiring and rehiring and reinforcing their own mindset, point where they're inbred. And like any inbred family, the gene pool's corrupted. And the academia of our country, our gene pool is corrupted. And it's terrible. It's, it's not good. And there's no point in sending your kids to an Ivy League school any more than there is to send them to your junior college because they're all corrupted and they're all pretty much the same. The only difference is, is the different levels of college are applicable to the different level of academic advancement of the student. The professors seem to be going crazy. Excuse me. That's one yawn, Mary. They seem to be going crazy. Under, I mean, Trump has only been in office two weeks, and we have idiot 
academia and journalists coming out and saying stupidity, stupid things like that. Well, for instance, you've got two football players being compared to one another right now. You've got Crappernick from San Diego, and you have Tom Brady from Buffalo, New York. Uh, or is it Buffalo? Where are the Patriots out of? I don't know. They're Yankees. Who cares? And you have journalists and academics coming out and saying that Brady is a bigger threat to America's security than Krapernick was, that he's more anti-American than Krapernick was. Now, Krapernick, he showed disrespect to the military, to the flag, to the national anthem, and to our country's values and morals. That's what Krapernick did. Tom Brady has a Make America Great Again hat in his locker at the, um, in, you know, at, at the football stadium. He happens to be friends with Donald Trump. And he's being said that he is a bigger threat to America's survival than Krapernick, that he is a more anti-American than Krapernick. <sighs> okay, that's three yawns. The rule usually is five yawns, and I quit the show and go to bed. But if I've hit three this fast, I don't know if I'm going to make five within a couple of minutes. We'll see. I might have to break the rule, Mary, and just keep plugging on. Because I've got a, another radio show to do in about 20 minutes uh, with uh, my friend Ken McClinton out of Washington, D.C. We do a show called Radio on Black and Red every Thursday night. And, uh, he might keep me awake, Mary, maybe. We'll see. He promised to call me last night and, and didn't. He called me today, but I couldn't take the call. Or maybe I just didn't want to take the call. I'm not going to tell him which one it was. But uh, what do you think? you think that Brady, because he's a friend of Trump and wore a red hat, is a bigger enemy to America's freedoms and, and Americanism than, than Krapernick? I don't know. Okay, there's number four. Oh, how'd you get that door open, big guy? Golly. So, that's, uh, there he is. Come here. Come here. Osa, come here. You see Osa? <laughs> that's my ginormous shepherd. This guy's like 200, 300 pound dog. And he's huge. That uh, he can stand up, and put his paws on my shoulder. That uh, the uh, I don't know one one disrespects and the other one shows respect, doesn't it? I don't think you're an enemy of the state. Yeah, that's barren Spanish. That's correct. <laughs> that's a good catch. But, uh, I got him from a Mexican lady who called him Oso, and and it's an aptly named dog because he's big as a bear. Could probably fight one. He's a big baby, but he's uh, he's my Oso. Aren't you, big guy? I have six dogs for all you new guys. Uh, two pugs, a one-eyed rat terrier. One of my pugs is blind, and uh, I've got two German shepherds. One of my German shepherds is 22. Speaking of which, there she is right there. Here you go. Let me see. Where is she? There we go. Right here. I can get it down here. Hey, come here. Come here. Put your face up. No, no, no. Put your face up. There you go. That's Athena. Athena is the other one. 
of my shepherds, and then I have Oso, and then I have two uh, two pugs and a terrier and a lab um, pit bull mix, whom I named Dog in honor of Longmire. Uh, I know the author. I've met him, and uh, we talked for quite a while, and so I, I named my dog Dog in honor of Longmire's dog on the in the book series, if you're familiar with that. So, anyway, these teachers are going crazy across this country. They're pushing an Islamic agenda. There's fights all over the country about creationism. And they're getting very afraid of the theory of evolution. And it's a theory. I mean, when I was a kid, our teachers taught us the theories, plural, of creationism and evolution. Why are they theories? Well, because we can't prove them. We believe in creationism, if you're, say, Christian. We believe in creationism that God made us, but we can't prove it, not scientifically, not yet, not with the skills of human beings at this level. But we also can't disprove it. Evolution is a theory because it cannot be proved. And I will go on the record saying it will never be proved scientifically. The Cambian explosion is such a hard stop to the theory of evolution that it cannot be surmounted. And even Charles Darwin, who came up with that evolution crap, came out and said that his theory doesn't stand up to the Cambrian explosion. And uh, and that it, there's no explanation for it. That missing link. You've heard all of these things. Uh, maybe in different terminology, but you, you've heard these arguments. We can't explain it. We can't explain all these things occurring all at once, historically, and that there be nothing evolutionary between them. We can't explain how eyeballs just became without these trial and errors. And how does an eyeball evolve? Either it worked or it didn't. If it didn't work, it's not going to evolve. So it had to work very quickly and very very early in the prototype stage or we wouldn't have eyeballs. And there's too many other weird things, like the fact that everybody's ear is different, the same as their fingerprints, that we nobody has the same ear shape. You think, how many people are on this planet? You know, there's, there's a billion Chinese and they all look alike, but none of their ears are the same. Go figure. But, uh, we can't prove these things. We believe one, they believe the other. It's all theory. And, uh, and, and that's exactly right. Zarina, I was about to say that. The left likes to claim that we are evolved from apes and monkeys, and I tell them, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm not, but you're probably right. You probably were. There's been some new thing. They found the very first ancestor to humanity. They don't tell you how they know that this is humanity's first ancestor and why they think it, but uh, there's been a lot of stories as if they have finally proven evolution is correct because they found some gizzy with an eyeball that you know swam around and said, ah, this is the first human. <laughs> right. Again, they don't get past the Cambian explosion, and, uh, and they can't. So, man, who, 
God dang it. Oh, I tell you what, I got to put the, I got to put a song on here. I apologize, but Athena, my 22 year old shepherd, has had a little accident in here, so I will, uh, I will be right back. You know, she's so freaking old and I should probably put her down, but she keeps telling me she's happy. So I keep, yeah, I keep letting her go. Oh, you guys want to see the pugs? Hold on here. Let me see here. There's the pugs. Yeah. They're hiding under my desk right now. uh, So, yay. (laughs) And what have we got? Okay. uh, About 15 minutes or so for Ken to call. So anyway. These teachers are going crazy all over across this country. It's kind of blowing my mind. Uh, you've got the you've got the uh, teacher with the gun. I, and, and let me ask you this: I'm, I want to ask you a question. We sent a kid to jail for eating a pop tart into an L shape, an L shape, and then the school system said that it was too close to resembling a gun, and so they took the kid out of school and they sent him to jail. And uh, you're from Minnesota. I, my apologies, <laughs> computer Ryan. My apologies from Minnesota. And uh, and so we send a kid to jail for eating a pop tart into an L shape. We have zero tolerance on campus for weapons. How the hell did a teacher 
get a plastic gun into a school? And how do we want her in front of our kids teaching when she thinks it's appropriate, A, to have a plastic gun in front of the children when it's a gun-free zone? It doesn't say real or plastic or fake or what. It's just gun-free. And if you're going to put a kid in jail for a Pop-Tart, you better put this person in jail. But then to fake assassinate the president of the United States. I take that seriously. I, I took an oath to protect the president and the Constitution. And I take it seriously. I don't think it's funny to make threats against the president of the United States. We've lost enough of them. We lost Abraham Lincoln. We've had several others attempted. Ronald Reagan was almost killed. Kennedy was killed. Hell, a lot of Kennedys were killed, which is kind of sad. Either Kennedys were killing people or getting killed, but there was always somebody dying around a Kennedy. And we have we, we, the other attempts. Was it Grover Cleveland? I can't remember all these now off the top of my head, but we sure as hell don't need another assassination. And let's just be clear. None of the assassinators in our history of our country's presidents have come from right-wing radicals. They are all left-wing extremists, all Democrats, all progressives, all pro-property slavery type people. I mean, you know, Booth was a Democrat from the South. Very favorable to their cause. And the Democrat Party hasn't changed since then. Make no mistake. Don't fall for that big switch that's allegedly occurred where all the Republicans walked across and started calling themselves Democrats. And all the Democrats walked across and started calling themselves Republicans. And uh, and then we switched electoral map because, uh, well, that was the only fair thing to do. And then a color scheme anyway. And then everybody was hunky-dory. It was all just done, you know. One day, they just walked up and walked across the aisle, and next thing you know, Republicans are all racist and Democrats are, are not. Yeah, right. I, I, I have friends that believe this. I don't want to call anybody an idiot that believes it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word ignorant because it doesn't take very much study of history to figure out you're ignorant if you believe that. We know that this great transformation never occurred. The color of the maps was changed from Republicans being blue to Republicans being red because the Democrats were very sensitive over the fact that they were red and they were also fascist, communist-loving bastards. And they did not want to be associated with red because red is associated with communism. And so they thought the stupid people who vote in this country would not vote for them if they were the color red. So they talked to the media and the media in the election, and I forget which one it was, uh, wasn't too long ago, Reagan, I think, they switched the color scheme. And all of a sudden, you know, and you can go back and watch the news feeds as they half-ass explain why Republicans are now red and Democrats are now blue. All manipulation by the media, by the left. And this is what we're getting right now from the media with these fake news stories and these lies as they try to discredit a president. They're desperate to discredit it. And it's funny how many things that our government and our media are now against. 
Things that Obama and the Democrats have done over and over and over for eight years are now antithetical. They are un-American. You have Schumer and his dumbass getting up in front of the American people and crying over the alleged abuse of illegal jihadist pukes coming into our country because they weren't allowed to come in. We're talking about 300 people were, were affected the day the ban was implemented. Some 900 people since total. A few rejections. I mean, I'll tell you what. Every damn time I go to the airport, I have a problem with the TSA. I get yanked through. I get special attention. I come through and I demand flowers and a cigarette when we're done because of the love I get from these guys. And they're whining they were inconvenienced for a few hours. Well, you know what? We got to get this right because our last president loved jihadists, was a Muslim himself, liked the jihadist movement, liked the caliphate idea, thought he was going to be the next caliphate, and we were getting all screwed by the last president. And this one is saying that he was going to protect America because that's what his oath said to do, and the last president violated his oath and is a traitor. But Trump is going to keep the oath of protecting the American people and that we need to take a break. Now, are they using the right words? No, because Trump is not an established 50-year politician where he's all polished and knows how to lie to you, get you to hear what you want to hear, like most of the politicians that we have in Washington, like all of the Republicans who kept telling us they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And they had vote after vote without any damn plan whatsoever, evidently, because they don't have a plan right now. And they could repeal and replace it right now. And they can't because they say they don't have any plans. Well, what were you going to do if one of your damn votes in Congress in the last eight years worked? What happens if it accidentally worked and you got a vote against Obamacare? You didn't have a plan then because you didn't really want to change it, because you wanted the power that Obamacare gives the legislatures of this country, because it gave unmitigated power to whatever party is in control of Congress. And that is why it needs to be gone other than any other thing. Any, of the, any books you'd recommend. Uh, you mean political books, science fiction books? I love books. Yes. Um, there is a great book right here. There we go. Original Meanings. I forget the guy's name. Jack something. Uh, Jack uh, Rakove. R-A-K-O-V-E. Original Meanings. Really good book. Gets in there and it looks at what the founding fathers and framers were thinking about when they created the Constitution. Okay. The, uh, let me see here. Here's an interesting book. You got to be careful when you read it, but it's written by Robert A. Heinlein, a progressive uh, for his time, and it's called Take Your Government Back. Now, it was an essay he wrote. He was told not to do it, but he did it, and it was an essay he wrote on how to take government back from the Republicans and everything, but it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Government, uh, employers should not have anything to do with health care. That is absolutely right, whoever typed that in. Let me tell you, you do you know why employers offer health care? It has to do with Democrats. Oh, you're shocked, I know. Democrats, they put price freezes on 
you know, back in, in World War II era, right? So they put these price freezes on. So, okay, no one can raise labor costs in this country because we got to freeze labor because everything's getting too expensive. We got a war going, everything's costing money. So we're going to freeze labor prices. So businesses still have to compete. So how do they compete? Well, now they say, I guess what? We want you to stay with us. So not only are we going to give you your $18,000 mega salary for the time a year, but we're going to pay for your health care too. Okay, why do they have to do that? So they could keep good quality labor. And so they started offering health care because that wasn't against the law. So they're not increasing your salary, but hey, they're paying for your health care. So now you don't have to pay for it. So out of your $18,000 your salary now, you don't have to spend any money on health care. Okay, great. So that saves you money. And in turn, you have more purchasing power because you're not now paying for health care too because your job is paying for it. And so that is how businesses got involved in taking care of healthcare. Okay, and um, and then the government thought, hey, this is a great idea. We'll let them do it, and then we will regulate the crap out of it, and then we'll control it because we'll unionize it, and we'll put this part of the union packaging so that union people will vote for us by making it mandatory that they have all these healthcare plans, and there'll be all Cadillac plans. Trust me, I'm a union member of a of a government union. I used to, I'm a mailman, right? So at least my job in the government is constitutionally mandated. <laughs> a lot of these aren't, but, um, okay, guys, you can sit still. All right. Lay down. So, um, yeah. So they got involved in healthcare and then it became a way to, to keep Democrats in power. And it came a way to, to funnel money to the Democrat party. And that's why, employers started offering health care was to circumvent Democrat control over price fixing. And that was an end around of government because Americans are geniuses when it comes to doing business. And we managed to find ways to make business work in spite of government, not because of government and its help or regulations, but in spite of it, especially because of the abuse of the commerce clause and the other things that it does to us. But, uh, but that, yeah, that's why. And it shouldn't be. It should be portable, and government should not have anything to do with health care. They should be completely out of it. This repeal and replace crap uh, is crap. Congress should be saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to repeal Obamacare. We're going to make it legal for it to be uh, offered in any state. So now you don't have 50 separate Blue Cross Blue Shield organizations. They can just offer it in every state under one corporation. They can get rid of all these umbrella corporations, and they can merge it all into one, and that would save money administratively, and they'll make money handsomely, and we can get health care cheaply. There is a reason doctors used to come to your house to take care of you, and now you go sit there for three hours for a scheduled appointment because there's not enough of them and because insurance pays for things. And because we are not good consumers when we have insurance, we don't care what things cost because someone else is paying for it. And what we need to do is change it to where you can get catastrophic health insurance and then everything else you pay cash. And I guarantee you that within 10 years of doing that, doctors would make house calls again. (laughs) That's right. They would be making house calls again because they would have to become competitive. They would not waste your time in their lobby. If you had a 9 o'clock appointment, by God, you'd be getting seen by 9.15 or they're going to lose money. 
because what are you going to do? You're going to get up and go to another doctor that can get off his ass and visit you and see you or come to your house instead of you sitting in some lobby for three hours for a scheduled appointment. This, this rotusa erudite opinions that doctors have of themselves like they're gods and, and that our time is completely unimportant. You know, and I, I like to remind my physicians that I too am a doctor. And that my time, too, is important. And, uh, and, and they always get a kick out of that because I point out to them that, that they're not any more important than me. And, in fact, PhDs are real doctors. MDs are not real doctors. You see, real doctors used to be called barbers. That's right. MDs used to be barbers. Used to walk around from city to city. And they would come in with their physician kit and their barber kit, and they would offer haircuts to people. They would pull teeth because they were also dentists, and they would physique people, which is where they called giving them physical things to help their maladies, you know, snake. And they would physique people, and that's where we got the word physician because a physiker, a physician. And they said, you know what, we got a lot of crazy people running around and we're not being taken seriously because we're pulling teeth, we're cutting hair, and we're, and we're physiquing. So what do we need to do? So they went to the colleges around the planet and they set up doctor colleges and barber colleges too. They taught you how to cut hair and how to physique. And then they sent people out into the world and called them doctors because doctors were highly esteemed because they were highly educated academics uh, and they could read and write, and they were very informed at their times. They were very respected people in their communities. Doctors often were the wealthy people in their communities. And so the physicians wanted to glom on to our title. And eventually, they tried to muscle us out of our title by saying, well, PhDs aren't real doctors now. You know, we're the real doctors, and we're the important people. And, and then with the advent of insurance, they were able to make that really solid. And then they didn't have to really pay attention to us anymore because they had so many people in limited spots and insurance paying, and they don't have to pay attention to you or your cares or if you like them or not, because you're not paying for it. You're not their customer. You are their patient, but you are not their customer because you are not paying for their services. Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, getting a gay or whatever, all those, those are your doctor's customers. And that's why we need to eliminate all that. We need to open up trade and make it fair for these people to compete. And we need government to get out of it. Not even state government. I mean, we, there may be a regulatory agency to make sure that we're being treated right and stuff. But if government just get the hell out of insurance, Insurance rates would drop, coverage would explode, and we'd get everything we want, need, and we'd get home visits again from doctors. I guarantee. I can also say that with an utter metaphysical certitude because it will never happen because government will never give up the power that they have usurped over, over uh, health care. It's too much. It's a sixth of our economy. And why would they give up the power to control, regulate, uh, and, and tax one-sixth of our economy. This is why even Republicans like Obamacare. It's going to take very special people to completely get rid of it and to have them not play some kind of shell game up in Washington where they maintain the power and they make the illusion that we have uh, 
we have gotten something fixed or that we're better off. Be very suspicious. Let me just say it that way. Very suspicious of whatever comes down the pipeline. Texas has got a lot of things going on. We have several bills like the constitutional carry bill. Now, those of you who are longtime listeners, you know that I bitch about my concealed carry license, which is now called a right to carry license. And that I believe that to be unconstitutional, but though that I'm law abiding, I have complied with the laws of Texas to get one so that I can bear arms. But I contend that I don't need them legally because the constitution says that government will not make a law abridging me of the right to carry an arm to protect myself. Our country fought a revolution over that concept. And you can go back and easily look up the words of our founding fathers to find their opinion on the right to carry. The right to carry. We have that right. And we don't need a license by our state. They have no authority to prevent us from doing it. So my contention is, is uh, it, well, that's my contention. John Strickland introduced a bill in the Texas legislature this year in this session called the Constitutional Carry, which simply states that Texas doesn't have any authority in the legislature to impose any laws or restrictions against lawful gun ownership in our country. I support that. I encourage all legislatures in Texas to endorse the bill, become a co-sponsor of the bill, and get it passed because it's constitutional. And if you want us to believe that you are constitutional, that you are conservative, that you believe in the rights of man and that they come from God and government does not have a right to abridge those rights, then you need to endorse that bill too. And if you are not a Texan, let me say first that I'm sorry and Pax Obiscan to you, but um, uh, not everybody can be a Texan. And second, that you should go to your state legislature and demand the same policies to be implemented because it's constitutional and legislatures do not have the right to prevent you from carrying a gun in any state. And not only that, the full faith clause of our constitution states that all states must recognize the laws of other states, right? So if we have the constitutional right in Texas to carry, and we do, then no state can prevent me from carrying a gun in their state. If they think we have to recognize the fact that homosexuals can marry because Hawaii said they can marry in Hawaii, and now we have to recognize all the marriages in Hawaii and Texas because of the 14th Amendment because of the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution, then why does that not apply for the Second Amendment? Well, it does, especially since the Second Amendment actually is an amendment to the Constitution stating that government does not have that authority, and yet homosexual marriage is not part of the Constitution, one way or the other. Central government should not be involved in homosexual marriages, one way or the other. That's a state's right function. That's a Tenth Amendment function. That's the people of the state that need to be deciding that, not our central government. Uh, but you can't have things both ways, and this is always happening. And Republicans historically give in to these things. They won't fight the fights for it. And I don't, I don't understand that. Truly, I do not understand that. 
I expect a call any time now from the bloviating exceptional conservative and uh, from Washington, D.C. And we'll be switching over to radio in red and black. Now, he is a black conservative from Washington, D.C., and we do a show every Thursday, 8 to uh, 10 p.m. Central Texas time. And uh, usually I don't know what we are talking about. Uh, he just side blinds me and uh, and then I respond to whatever he asks and we talk. And then we, we look at it from a constitutional and religious perspective, whatever the issues are that Ken wants to discuss for the night. <sighs> Stevie. So I guess you heard. Where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Uh, I think it was a Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know what state. Really doesn't matter. But in a Bed Bath and Beyond, a homosexual couple, males, crawled into a bed display and decided to make love to one another. That is what we have to deal with today. Now, do heterosexual couples do that? I, I guess. You see it in movies, you know, where they do those things. I, I've never seen it. I don't remember ever having read it, but, uh, but I'm sure that somewhere in history, a heterosexual couple has crawled into a bed display and did some hanky-panky. I think there's a, a difference, though. I think, and, and, and neither one are correct. Heterosexuals having sex in a bed display in public at a store is not appropriate under any circumstances. Although I would suggest to you that if a heterosexual couple does it, it's probably because their hormones are out of control and they're doing it for the thrill of having sex in public or the chance that they might get caught. Whereas a homosexual couple is doing it for political purposes. And I think that that is something we need to consider. Yellow. 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 <laughs> so your phone does work. Hello. 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 <laughs> Dr. Michael Jones, the professor and host of New Day Black and Red, is with us tonight. Uh, his peon in chief. Is uh is right at his side, the exceptional one, Kevin Clinton. Uh, I am so duly pleased, sir, uh, uh, by being in your great uh, audience this evening. You can arise, get off your knees. That's fine. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you very much. Everybody, this is Ken McClinton, the exceptional conservative out of Washington D.C. and also known as my peon in chief. <laughs> Thank you, uh, and I'm very glad that you did not make me reapply after the inauguration. Well, that's pending. (laughs) I'm I'm waiting for them to repeal Obamacare, and then we're going to have to visit and see what happens to the State Department. You hear that fake uh, news story? Remember I told you that if I was was Trump, I would fire everybody in the State Department, every last one? And then yeah. while we were talking, a news thing came out that said a whole bunch of them resigned. Turns out Trump fired them. They, they didn't resign. Wow. It wasn't a noble action by the progressive retards of the uh, State Department. He fired their asses because they are, uh, they are circumventing his policies and will. They're actually working against him. 
And he's going to be, I think he's going to be firing a lot of people. You know, he went after the attorney general that was acting uh, for the idiot, idiot thing she was saying about how, uh, you know, she couldn't enforce his travel restrictions. And, uh, and he fired a, uh, uh, an agent in charge over in Denver, Colorado for saying she wouldn't take a bullet for the president. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of libtards losing their jobs with their idiot comments and, and inability to play nice. But uh, mostly because they're, they're undermining this president, like they did Reagan in the Bushes. Yeah. Well, they say that this is an ideological cleansing, uh, that he's just being a meanie. Sure. <sighs> well, sure. They, you know, they can't handle not being in charge. They can't handle not having the predominant uh, opinions in this country. I mean, truly what it is is they have been completely rejected by this country. By the majority of this country, too. And their ideology has been completely rejected, and they are reacting to it uh, vehemently. And this is why you see academics, uh, you see teachers, you see uh, uh, journalists uh, coming out and saying some of the most wackadoodle things uh, you know, ever is because they, they, they've completely lost it. They have no basis in reality anymore, and they've been exposed as an emperor with no clothes. Uh, and emperor, indeed, no clothes. Uh, I say emperor because they're tyrannic, tyrannic. You know, these people are tyrannic. They are. They wear turbans too. There you go. <laughs> Tyrannical turbanets. Uh, you know, I, in terms of the firing process, um, I, I wanted to ask you because I can ask you anything. Ask at least one me time. anything. Yep. To ask you this question, uh-huh. uh, do you believe that this was a positively great kickoff to Black History Month by the Trump administration? <laughs> now, you, you you may wonder why I'm raising that with you. Well, hold on a okay. second here. I, I think I have an answer for you. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, sure. I'm here. I'm here all night. Tip the waitress. <laughs> yeah. Is it Black History Month again? Didn't we just do that last year? I know. It's, it's back. It's mm. bigger than ever at the bottom. Black by popular demand, February. Brought to you by Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did Pop this only find his shadow? Yes, he did. That- Which he means did. six more weeks of progressivism. Oh, gosh. Al Gore evidently says he wants a recount. He said that, that Puxitani had some hanging chads or something. I, I don't know what all that's about, but, yeah. We, uh, we, we down here in Texas, we don't pay attention to Puxitani, Phil. We, we listen to uh, Panhandle Phil, who comes out every year and says, what are you talking about? What's winter? Winter to you all anything below 50 degrees? Oh my God! No, that's like 70 now. Yeah. When I uh, when I was uh, a Ute, I wore shorts in 40 degree weather, and then it moved to 50, and then 60, and now if it drops under 80, I find myself wearing long pants. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm getting old and my skin's thinning and I'm losing too much weight, or if it's uh, the fact I just lived in Texas way too long. <laughs> 
it is a fact, though, in Texas, if we see two snowflakes, we shut government and school down. Well, thanks to you all, you're going to see a whole lot of snowflakes because your economy was the only thing that was booming, and everybody from New York, California, and Florida moved to Texas. Yeah, which so, is why Dallas and Houston and Austin are burgeoning, and the rest of us are, are trying to survive. You know, this is interesting. Uh, there's something like a quarter million jobs, according to the government, created in January. Now, how many jobs did Obama create while he was president if you subtract Texas from those numbers? Three? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Over eight years, he might have had a positive number. I'm pretty sure it would be a negative number, that it's it a job wild. loss, not a job increase. But, yeah. Uh, I don't think he had a net increase at all. I, I truly think it was a net decrease. If you take, you know, Carolina and Texas out of it, uh, you know, but because we had all these jobs because Texas and what we're doing down here and Carolina is because of their oil and gas exploration. But if you take those two states out, I don't think there was positive uh, job growth. And Obama had nothing to do with job growth down here. And the job growth in the Carolinas was in spite of Obama because he tried to ban all this government drilling and everything, you know, on government property. So this was all private industry and uh, uh, up in the Carolinas and down here in Texas. And so we, we created these jobs in spite of the president, not because of them. And you can say that's right over. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't Texas, I don't think there would have been any in part, um, positive news on the job front. Yeah. Uh, Texas thing that was hiring uh, and I don't mean the government <laughs> no well you can't count a government job as, as a job because a government job takes away from the economy it's they're leeches a government job takes away from the economy they do not create wealth if you don't understand how wealth's created then you'll never understand how a government job does not help the economy it takes money away from the economy it redirects money from the economy because we have to pay these people, and that means that it's going to come out of taxes and fees. And, and that's money that has redirected from you and I that we could be spending on products that we want and directing and controlling the government. Because every dollar we spend is a vote on a product. And the more dollars that get spent, the more votes that product gets, the more successful that product is. Uh, you know, and so if we take money out of the system so that we can't vote with it, uh, then it goes to government, and then they redistribute it. And it usually has a cost of 75% uh, is yeah. removed from every dollar for the cost of compliance and administrative cost and government control and crap. And uh, um, I was asked to define Trump in one word, busy. <laughs> Very. Yes. Very. Uh, listen, when we come back from the break, uh, and I'm so glad to have you here, Professor. You know uh, – what I do here in terms of annoying you. Yeah. Are you wearing pants this time? No, no, no. I decided not to wear pants this evening. I wanted to celebrate completely. The annoying only guy you. I've ever seen that uses suspenders to hold up his boxers. <laughs> Annabelle. Annabelle. <I> have... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you, do you have those little things that go around your calves to hold your socks up? I just, I got to know. Yes, I do. Okay. I, I have that as well. And I, each one has a belt next to it. Well, so. <laughs> a belt also? <laughs> well, sure. Uh, uh, but I, I, I do not, I do not script. 
when it comes to that those belts, they are leather. Right. So Real leather. It's 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 uh, what was that? The uh, oh crap! What was that leather that was always advertised by uh, Ricardo Montalban? Corinthian leather. Corinthian <laughs> leather. <laughs> Fine Corinthian leather surrounds the girth of the exceptional conservative. Very much. Was, was that a GM car? Yeah, I, that might have been. I can't remember what car he advertised that for. If it wasn't Chrysler, yeah. it's probably GM. Yeah. 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 I'm going to get so big that I have to be able to promote Corinthian leather. Well, sure. <laughs> I, 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 you know, you already worry me on things like that because when you came down here to Texas and we drove by, I saw cows fainting just seeing you drive by. <laughs> Because you were like hanging out the window with a knife and a fork in your hand and a and a napkin tucked in your ne- neck. <laughs> that was some fine Corinthian leather down That's there, right. boy. I tell you. You kept and screaming, "Show me the beef!" And they kept fainting. <laughs> when we get back, uh, I want to make an announcement to everybody, uh, and we'll continue on our conversation this evening with the professor regarding the First Amendment uh, and whether it actually protects violence and riots. Uh, stay tuned for more of that. We'll be right back right after these messages. Yay. Thank you for the Okay, do I believe in conspiracy theories for government? I don't know. Some of them I do. Um, I'm not Alex Jones, but and, uh, and Infowars, uh, but uh, you know, I think that government does a lot of things it doesn't have any business doing, and I think that that power has corrupted a lot of people. I think most of the government conspiracies that exist in reality are ones we don't know about and wouldn't focus on because they're not titillating. They're not salacious. You know, they're just greed and overpower or wealth. Uh, But I'm not a big fan of of these theories like Bilderbergers, you know, taking over the world. Uh, I fully believe Soros is trying to take over the world. uh, If that helps you uh, with the question that you asked, but yeah. This is the Underground Professor Show in conjunction and simulcasting with the Exceptional Conservative Show out of Washington, D.C., and we call this special broadcast Radio in Black and Red. Welcome to it every Thursday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Central, 9 to 11 Eastern, I believe, at uh, midnight to something. We've got a lot of people that listen to this show in England and in Australia and Russia, Brazil, it's kind of amazing. Hong Kong is another big factor in our listening rates. And, uh, so welcome, everybody, from across the world, tuning in to learn about American government and how it works. Tonight on Radio Black and Red, evidently, we're going to be talking about violence of these rioters and whatnot and what to do with them. Okay, i got to put in a password here. Why do I have to put in a password? Okay, let me see here. Um, mm, 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 mm. Oops. I hope I remember the password. 
I got to use shorter passwords. It's too bloody long to type. <laughs> so, anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, 50-pound hamburger. Got nice samplings for that, too. My wife enjoys. 6339 Allentown Road is a huge <laughs> restaurant. If you go to the exceptionalconservationshow.com and scroll down to the bottom on the first page, you get more information on time availability, catering, and everything else. And if you use restaurant, the best restaurant in Washington, D.C. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to make this announcement, actually two announcements. Those persons who have gone to the exceptionalconservationshow.com and you happen to be under the uh, the actual TETS area and, and you're listening to us and watching us and everything, I want to let you all know that I've put a Valentine's Day gift in there for you. Yes. Uh, actually, all you need to do is scroll over uh, and you will see the Valentine's Day gift is a 50% off System Mechanic Pro coupon or System Mechanic, uh, the, the actual tool that used to clean my own web uh, and, and computers that I use for my show. 50% off of what I pay is what you get. And there's a special code that you can use for doing that. All you have to do is click on that particular code and use it. Uh, 50% off. Happy Valentine's Day to you. We'll keep it there. Uh, until the actual 28th of you. So come right on over, click in, click on, get your Valentine's Day gift from yours truly. Uh, and then in other celebrations, uh, which is why I'm trying to do negotiations with this guy, uh, better known as the professor, Dr. Michael Jones, who we love so much. Oh, dollars, dang. Uh, Dr. Jones. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of jealous. One of the guys that asked me to recommend a book, I, and I recommended um, Alfred uh, Knopf's, or Jack, Jack Rakov's, rather, uh, book, uh, Original Meanings, which cost me yeah. like $60 when I was uh, in as a student, and he found it on Amazon for 4 bucks, <laughs> hardback. I was like, crap, and that, that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. I'm not telling you any more books. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know that we've been on the air. Uh, this will be our seventh year. Seven years, and if you subtract the seven. commercials, you've been on two hours. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Uh We've been on for seven years, and I, I've held conversations because I've watched the stats. Uh, and and I, I'm, a, I'm a stats man. I, I, I need to know what's going on. I really follow stats. That's what Peter uh, said. Yeah. <laughs> she actually gave me stats on the uh, wedding night. Oh, uh, so, yeah. so I heard yeah, the yeah, Russians yeah. only gave you a 2.3, but she gave you a 6. <laughs> Listen, I'll take the charity strike anytime it's given to uh, me. Amen to that, my brother. <laughs> And I get, I, you know, when it comes to those kind of things, white people need the affirmative action. <laughs> I probably would have 
was included in the Civil Rights Act of 64. <laughs> hey, that's just one thing white privilege cards do not honor. And, uh, and it's child support the rest of your life. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, this I, I will tell you. You know that as we've been on, we have been monitored and watched by many people over the years. And I, I told you all in January that it was strange that we would be getting monitored by a certain major satellite uh, institution. Yes. That's located in Washington, D.C. Um, and also CBS. Um, well, I have news for you all who are following along at home, okay? A certain major, because I can't say the name, uh, and this is all yours illegally, there's no finality of contract yet, you know, yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. Um, but a major satellite radio network has inquired about the exceptional conservative show and making it a part of its networking uh, uh, broadcast. So uh, I'm excited tonight, and I wanted to share that with everybody. Uh, and all the details will be worked out over the next three to four months. Uh, but yes, we I, may be... You, you can't say their name, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's Eskimo TV out of Alaska, Fairbanks. And it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's broadcast to at least 30 different igloos, and we are very hey, proud of this sponsor. Listen, I am very proud because they, they have satellites in both Anchorage and Juneau. That's right. Thank you very much. How, how do yeah. you know that's true? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's buried under a pile of snow by now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be working out some details with TECN um, and, uh, and and a few other things. So y'all just stay tuned. You hear? Uh, there's a, there's growth of it. You say y'all? Y'all? Y'all don't get to it use is. that until you move your butt down here. Hey, uh, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a Texan. I was I was. Oh no. Smokey made you an honorary Texan. Smokey's no longer here, so he doesn't. You, you don't get that privilege. No, there's no voting. I'm I'm a benevolent dictator. <laughs> with scars on his hand from eating with you. Look at this, people. Look at the scars on there from that the fork. That is not true. I want you to know that is not true. Those scars came before the meal. Periscope can see the scars. Scars don't lie.
Uh, and it, it was incredible, but I thank Maxine Blake for coming on. Uh, and I want to thank everybody who, who remained steadfast despite the inconveniences, despite of all of the things that this show gone through. Uh, on the downside, on the upside, somebody thinks we're good enough to go satellite. So thank you. Thank you very much. The satellite of love. Uh, I feel it. Is that like MST-3000? Uh, <laughs> I will be broadcasting from outer space. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> On the satellite of love. We are tonight yes. with my very good friend, Dr. Michael Jones, who allows me to sit at his feet. Oh, my God. I like him. him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sit at his feet and I massage them while I cut his nails and trim them and sharpen them up and everything and uh, give him his manicure while he actually broadcasts with me on Thursday night. Thank you, sir, for the great and prestigious honor. Well, it's my, uh, it's what I do for black outreach during February. <laughs> Yes, because uh, this is <laughs> this is uh, you're part of Black History, you know. Really? Yeah, you're black, and I uh, I'm a professor of history. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. <laughs> I, you know, every day that I live in the month of February, I am black history. You are. <laughs> you're like uh, what is that? Uh, um, Little Hood on the Prairie. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Uh, to be earnest, I, I can't I'll, wait. I'll be frank. Day. You be earnest. I can't wait to the day I get to wear this again in front of you. Uh, this wonderful uh, cowboy hat. I, 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 and when I go to that satellite uh, network, uh-huh. I'm going to order I'm going to order four more. So that every day I'm wearing a cowboy hat. Well, one for each chin? Oh. You can only wear one at a time. <laughs> I don't have my cowboy hat in this room right now. I don't think so. Nope. I have my tricorn hat, my redskins hat, my exceptional conservative hat, don't tread on me hat. I don't have that hat. I love the tricorn hat. I, I can envision, I can envision what the original settlers were like uh, when they made it to Bunker Hill and said, "Oh my God, really? This is a protest?" <laughs> <laughs> well, now you don't listen to my show, but long-term listeners to my show know that it really wasn't going on at Bunker Hill. The real battle happened at Breed's Hill. Really? Yes. Yeah. The big part of it, Bunker Hill got the credit because they had the PR agent, but Breed's Hills where uh, where the big action happened, you know, and that's where we lost Dr. W and a few others there uh, at that time. It was a big loss to the revolution. Uh, what's his name? Uh, guy, I've been calling him Dr. W for so long now I forgot his real name. Dr. <laughs> Winthrop or oh, I can't remember. It begins with a W. But uh, hey, settle down. So, come on. Tattoo on your head with my drumsticks. Yeah, get up. <laughs> I'm being attacked by the puglies right now. They're trying to get up in my chair. Now, 
So you wanted to ask me if violence is equivalent to the First Amendment? Yeah, but before we do that, I want to know if you have gotten a letter from Winston's lawyer. Uh, (laughs) Demanding equal time? Demanding equal time. Uh, that during the month of February, as it is Black History Month, and I presume Winston is black. <laughs> well, mostly. He's kind of biracial. Yeah, he's got multicolored hair, but yeah. And, uh, yeah, see, but this month he's claiming the black part of him. Yeah, well. And so he, he wants equal time. <laughs> Winston has taken a quiet section of the house to himself because. I finally caught that roof rat that has been causing hell in my house. And, uh, and Winston has not done his job. And so I had to do it. And I found a ancient old wood trap that was like this big, you know, out in my garage that my grandpa had. And I loaded up with peanut butter and I caught about a 10 pound rat was the one that kept eluding Winston. So I did the job and, and I kid you not, when Winston came in the next day and I picked up that rat and threw it in the trash, he sunk his head down and his tail went between his legs and he walked out of the house and he hasn't, hasn't really come near me in three days. <laughs> wow. Yeah, bless his heart. <laughs> but once again, that's an example of technology taking away a job. Yes, it is. See? It's like, it's like the equivalent of the white man keeping the black dog down. <laughs> it is. For the guys in Periscope that want to see what Ken McClinton looks like, let me see here if I can do this. Uh, no, this way. There we go. And, nope, that's the wrong thing. There we go. There he is wearing his cowboy hat. There you go. Uh, yeah. How you doing? And his, and his Urkel smile. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why you're only gray on your goatee. <laughs> yeah, I know that. If it wasn't for my daughters, I wouldn't have any gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this. Yes, you I do. Two beautiful daughters. Not just daughters, uh, girlfriends too. I mean, I had black hair about five months ago, and now look at me. Yeah. This is all my girlfriend's uh, doing right here. <laughs> wow. Ask me anything. Yeah. I'm going to ask you right now. Yes. Uh, because Mary's having so many problems tonight. Uh, she, she said it was tough to hear what you were saying. So uh, uh, we, we turned your sound back up for Mary. Good. Because uh, uh, whenever action. I listen to your show again, no, I can never hear the guests, but you come through like by boom from uh, Felix the Cat. Well, isn't that the role and responsibility of the host? Because you're not you're not coming to the show to listen to some guest. That's right. Okay? Not on my show, anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, if Donald Trump came on this program, whom would you rather hear? Donald Trump or me? Obviously. Why? <laughs> How about those cowboys? <laughs> Someday we'll have equipment where we won't have any sound issues whatsoever. We'll be absolutely 
equitable across the board. Oh, my God. I think that's the day I'm going to quit so that I can go out winning. Winning. (laughs) Are you going to watch the Super Bowl? I was talking to Ag about that. I decided I'm not – I don't even care about the Super Bowl. Well, now, this is a compliment from Mary. This is a compliment from Mary. Uh Uh-huh. Mary says it's too much bass, not enough treble. Oh, that's because we're all black here. (laughs) Why folks don't like bass? They like that treble in their voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about that bass. It's all about that bass. Don't Don't even have to get the fitty cap on. My panty coming off. Uh, I'm more of a fat boys instead of a Nikki Manage. What's her name? How how do you got a name like Nikki Manage? It's Menage. Oh, like like in Menage a Trois? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, not not with this guy. Yeah. Wait a minute. Melanie is in the chat room. We're not supposed to have this kind of conversation around Melanie. She's too young to hear this kind of stuff. Yeah, besides, <laughs> anything you say, I have to report the peaches anyway, and that just makes too much work. Too much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I decided with Crappernicker and Lady Gagme, and, and they're going to bring the Hamilton cast to perform at the halftime Super Bowl now. I thought, you know, screw that. I don't care. I, you know, I'm tired of watching the Patriots every year, and and neither of these teams impress me. So, I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch the lingerie bowl from Victoria's Secret and go to bed. Well, I will not be watching the lingerie bowl. bowl. No, you can you can stay up with Agador and watch the cat bowl, <laughs> or the toilet Thank bowl, you. whatever you want to watch. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be we'll be watching from. We'll be watching from our safe place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Snowflake Central. Uh, Menage, Menage Oh, my goodness. Don't go there. You get in trouble with the women every time. No, no, no. She put it in the chat. I was just reading what she put it. And now I'm set up. <laughs> Whatever. Don't, don't go there. I did not say anything. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent this evening. Uh-huh. I am as innocent as the snow I drive. Notice you said this evening. <laughs> and I'm not even baiting you this time. You know, I'm just being nice over here. Exactly. I haven't done anything. I'm innocent. Uh, professor? Yes, sir? Does the, does the First Amendment protect rioting? You want the, the long answer or the short one? Both. No. And no. <laughs> I mean, what happened? We clearly happened? know that you can't yell fire in a theater if it's not a real fire. So we, you know, because you can cause harm to people. So we already know that the Supreme Court has said that you don't have a right to uh, foment problems. We know that you can't instigate riots or cause people to become violent with your words. Uh, you don't have the right to do so. So. Violence is not a protected free speech, although I would say that the Supreme Court seems to be hypocritical on this because they let you burn an American flag, which I consider to be a violent act. And I mean, when you're setting things on fire, that's violence. 
you know, and mm-hmm. at, um, and I, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't always agree with all that, but, um, but you can't be violent and call that a first amendment issue. Uh, yeah. And notice which yeah. side of the political spectrum is having all the violence, you know, and which side is busy working for a living so they can pay for all the people to have the time off to go uh, commit the violence. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I, 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 I want to ask this because you have been a professor in, in university uh, <clears throat> and virtually get over $370 million of financial aid from the federal government. Yeah. You know, they get almost um, a half billion dollars in aid total, and about 53% yeah. of that comes from the government. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm just wondering, I, I mean... Turn it I, off. Now, I'm not... They don't have any I, right I, to I, it. Yeah. If, if they don't have a right to that money, as it is federal money, belonging to the other 49 states as well as California... Do we not have the right to say, if you're going to burn down your school, we're not going to pay for rebuilding it? Oh, pretty much. Um, I don't know why they think we would have to, you know, pay for it. Um, honestly, I don't know why they would expect us to pay for it, but they do. I mean, look at this. A, a long time, this has been the historical thing that progressives burn down their neighborhoods or their buildings or their stores. They attack their own Starbucks, which are their headquarters. Uh, they they um, uh, will loot and steal and pillage and then expect us to pay for everything, the citizens of this country, to cover it and repay it and, and do it. And and I find that offensive, um, for one thing. I think we ought to leave it the condition that they burn it down in. Well, okay, well, there's your new house. You know, you, you got it. <laughs> it's yours. Uh, exactly. Right. And if anything, I think as a citizen – we shouldn't pay to rebuild this crap. We should help these these um, store owners and stuff that want to get out of those communities. We should help them move. I wouldn't mind subsidizing their moving out of those communities because if enough of them move out, then there won't be anything for them to shop or buy or burn down, and then they'll they'll have to start acting like human beings instead of animals. And I I, I want to get your opinion as well um, about the mayor of the city putting a stand-down order uh, against the rioters, that the rioters yeah. actually have permission to destroy public and private property. Uh, I found Winston. He just came in the room. <laughs> Yay! Hey, hey, Winston. <laughs> I can't get you on the camera somehow. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The Winstonator. You still there? Uh, okay, there we go. So yeah, they uh, they have no business uh, doing that. Either. I mean, look at that crap they did on campus, right? The riots, the destruction of property, and whatnot. And they only managed to get one person arrested. And I'm betting you, if you look at it, that that the uh, the vast majority. There we go. Let me see if that's better. Woo! I moved the mic and it picked up itself. Um, they only got one guy. And, and the sad thing is, is I bet you that the majority of the people that are doing the violence aren't even students on that campus. There is yeah. a deal. When I was a professor, I had some students in one of my rooms uh, that 
it was the first day of class. They didn't know that I was not a, prog- a progtard prof. And they just assumed it because, you know, all their other teachers were progtards. And so they assumed I was. And they were in there and they were using my uh, blackboard and they were describing uh, the event that they were going to protest. And they explained that they had a green line, a yellow line, and a red line. Now, the green line were the students of the campus themselves. And they were going to be the peaceful protesters who show up and get the protest going because they're the useful idiots who actually have bought into whatever crap they're being told, and they're going to show up to protest. The yellow line were paid protesters to get in and agitate the situation and get it to where there is pushback between the cops and whatnot. Now, the red line are further paid agitators, but their job is to really push things. To, to get it where it's bad, you know, where they create violence, where they throw things at the cops and whatnot, and then they disappear so that they don't get arrested. But they're the ones who initiate the violent acts, and then they scatter. The cops react. They go into the green line, and they arrest the people who had really nothing to do with it, and then nothing actually ever happens because after the investigations, they find that these are just useful idiots that were standing around uh, thinking they were going to change the world with their protest, and the people who the yellow and green and the, the yellow and red lines are the ones who scatter. And so <clears throat> go and look at what happened to Berkeley. Go watch the news feeds, and then you come back and tell me if you don't recognize that there is a red, a yellow, and a green line going on. These are Alinskyite tactics, and they are paid for by Soros and the Clinton Foundation. And they're there <laughs> for one purpose only. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is that there are so many people out there that think that this is legitimate protesting, that this is how a protest is supposed to work. And and the excuse is given that it may have gotten out of hand, but but (laughs) it was a peaceful protest. Right. Uh, Other than the violence, it was very peaceful, just like Muslims are a peaceful religion, except for all the heads they cut off. (laughs) We're not for the Muslims. Where would jihadism be? Yeah, right. <laughs> peaceful jihad. Peaceful jihad. America, peaceful jihad. Well, as I like to say, uh, the, the latest quote from the left is power to the sheeple. Power. Uh, apparently, the left has bought into it, but I'm concerned tonight that a lot of people on our side of the aisle is beginning to buy into that, too, despite the revolutionary vote of having Trump in office, him firing people left and right since being in office and putting on a uh, a, a retainer, a, yes, hiring anyone new until they've had settled the, the accounts from the old regime. I, quite frankly, those on the right sound kind of like those on the left where uh, we can't give in uh, to... Uh, the ones who have created this violence, we have to listen to those who are behind that green line because they're the real people. Uh, is this idiotic? Well, yeah, they, uh, it is. Thank you. The fact that it's not even really a protest, it's there to create chaos. It's there to, uh, well, it's, that's what it's there. It's there to create chaos and to uh, get people like you and I to stay away so that 
you know, that there's no sense of, of sanity there. There's no gravitas. There's no, you know, we're going to stay in and be afraid. And, and that's what they're gaining. They're hoping on is that people like us won't stand up to them. Now, Notice that these violent things are not happening in Texas because we'll just shoot them, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so they're doing it in places that have banned guns mostly, you know, and on campuses where it's safe. And they're the only ones with weapons because you can't have them. Uh, I think they're going to be shocked because look at the violence that happened during the inauguration and, and the following nights. And yeah. we've, we've learned that that. Uh, Trump has required the police forces to look at video feeds and identify people and arrest them. And they've been making arrests. There's some 300 people were arrested uh, already over the inauguration violence. And so, you know, we're going to turn around and find out that they are, uh, they're going to look at the news feeds on this too at the campus and maybe start arresting people there. And if we keep doing that, then it's going to suppress the normal people who get involved in these stupid protests you know, these college kids that are there on scholarships and stuff, if they find out that their scholarships got dried up because they were in that protest, then guess what's going to happen the next time Alinsky or Soros start spreading money around on a campus and say, we need you to come do something idiotic. They're going to go, oh, I think I'd rather get my degree. I'm here to learn anyway. Yeah, and, and this will suppress it. And college campuses, if you go and you tell them, you know what, we're drying up all grant money that was coming from the central government to you until you uh, get your act together. Uh, they'll, they'll freeze up because they, they have to have this money. They can't exist and they won't have the, the funds to operate three days without it. And look what we're doing in Texas with sanctuary cities where we're passing these bills to go after them and dry up their grant money from Texas. Just the Texas grant money is causing these sanctuary cities to give in before the fights even started. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you do the one thing that liberals have to have, and that is money. If they don't have money, they can't function. Uh, and if you dry up their funding, then they can't be a pain in the ass to the normal Americans, to the patriotic Americans. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I want to ask you, sir, because this is a very serious question right before we go into the break. Um, do you believe? That the President of the United States would sit down with uh, Muchen, who is going to be the Treasury head if he's not already, and Betsy DeVault, who is going to be the Education head if not already. I don't know if she down. will be. I, I, I'm betting she won't be because the uh, NEA, the National Education Association, has their hooks into uh, those two Republican chicks from, I don't know, what is that, uh, Alaska and one of the y'all's Yankee states. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they're, they're, wow. they've come out and said that, that Duvois or whatever her name is, is, uh, is too wedded to vouchers. And they think that that is going against the best interest of kids. Well, what they're really saying is, is that they've been bought and paid for by the uh, teachers unions and they have to say that. And that's, <laughs> or they won't get money from them anymore. And you go and you look at how much money they've been donated by the NEA and their subsidiary accounts. Uh, yeah, the fix is in against this chick. So we're going to have to find somebody who hasn't got a track record about vouchers and then, but that wants them and then get them in there past them. Wow. Uh, that would be a very sad thing. Yeah. Uh, if she has to surrender. 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of her because I think she's she's got too much ties to Common Core, and I am completely against Common Core. So it's not like I'm a defender of Duwa or whatever her name is, Duvu, Duva, uh, Devalu, whatever it is. I'm not a big fan of hers, but you know, uh, uh, it, it, what will be interesting to me isn't if she gets it or not, but what kind of fight Trump will put up for. Her. Or are they going to cave? Because you know we're so used to Republicans just automatically caving as soon as a Democrat says they don't like a, a candidate. Davos, Devos, Devos. I don't know how to pronounce it. Hey, Guzman, welcome back. Um, so I, I'm not sure how to say her name. I'm not butchering it on purpose. I, I, but I think she's a common core queen, and I, and so I'm not a big fan of her. All right. But yeah. But anyway, what were you asking me about those two? Nothing, because now we have to go to break. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> when we come back from the break yeah. with my very best friend, uh, Dr. Michael Jones, better known as the underground professor from undergroundprofessor.us, I will ask him something because I can ask him a question in each hour. So I'm going to ask him something uh, in the next hour. But we're also are going to talk about Keith hey. Ellison. Oh, boy. Uh, and Keith Ellison is beginning to get... See y'all later, Block Talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my Block Talk's about to shut off over here. It'll just be you and me now. Oh, uh, you can always come to the ExceptionalConservativeShow.com. The ExceptionalConservativeShow.com and come into the chat room and listen to the Underground Professor and the rest of us. Uh, have a wonderful weekend wherever you go. We'll be right back right after these messages when we come back and talk about Keith Ellison. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh, there we go. And listen, better on the air, give you the best conservative thoughts. Back in John. Uh, and uh, we're working um, on yes, I, if she gets nominated and voted in, or nominated, she already is, but if she gets voted in, I'm okay with her being Secretary of Education. I'm just not her biggest fan. Uh, I think there's better choices, but Trump, it's, it's fine if he wants her. I have no problem with her, really. I just think she's common core. And it's not a strong connection to common core. It's a weak one, but I, I get gun shy with any of them. Because of like down here in Texas, you know, Paxton and these guys that we thought, and Patterson, that we thought were coming for. And I had people come on my show, like Smokey and others, that said, I think he's common core. And I was like, oh, no, he's a distance of you. I, no, no, no. And then now we're looking at, at them being common core queens. You know? It's like, holy crap. So I'm a little gun shy with anybody that's got any connection whatsoever with it. Friday at 9 a.m. I'm going to go grab me an adult beverage real quick. I'll be right back. Hold on, guys. I decided to be awesome instead. That's the Willie Lawson Show, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. here on the Exceptional Conservative Network. Hello, B.A. Team These big-footed enough radio shows to last a lifetime, courtesy of Sean, Clint, Ken, and Jersey Joe. Now it's time for him to waddle on his own two feet by the glorious SHR Media Good thy loins for the bloviating Zeppelin's berserk Bobcat Saloon. Coming soon for articles near you, Excelsior. You're listening to the Exceptional Conservative Network. 
For more information, go to www.theacceptedconservative.com. For listening to the Acceptance Conservative Network. For more information, go to www.theacceptedconservative.com. You are listening to the Acceptance Conservative. Keith Jason. He was really excited to start growing his business with social media until he realized how complex and time-consuming social media can be. It's difficult to manage multiple social media accounts. It's hard to monitor what's happening on social media, follow discussions, and engage with follow Time-consuming to publish updates throughout the day. Track and act effective quick respond to fans and followers in a timely manner, gain new customers. The list seems to go on and on. Jason quickly becomes discouraged. How could he ever do all of this and still run a business? He was ready to give up on social media until he found eClincher, the easiest way to manage social media. Jason was amazed how straightforward and simple it is to use eClincher. With eClincher, Jason is now able to leverage the power of social media without having to dedicate several hours a day. He can easily organize all his social media accounts in one place, efficiently plan and schedule his posts ahead of time, engage with his followers, understand the effectiveness of his efforts with powerful analytics, find new customers, and much more. In order to tell your business's story, simplify the process of managing your social media, and analyze results, sign up with eClitcher today. Is your PC causing major headaches? Now there's an easy way to make your computer run like you again. Introducing System Mechanics, America's number one PC performance software. System Mechanics scans your entire PC for over 200 different types of errors. It then automatically fixes some of the most stubborn and frustrating PC problems, restoring full speed and stability in minutes. Visit runlikenew.com to try it free. Ladies and gentlemen, just want to say this before we go on with a few more commercials. If you look under your chair, no, 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 it's not. But There's a car. Next to you, if you're in the TECN chat room, the Euro Pacific Bank Limited TECN chat room, uh, to your right side, if you scroll over right above the globe, is the actual uh, gift that we have for you where you can actually get uh, the software from System Mechanics to speed up your PC, to clean it, to make sure that you have the right drivers and things of that particular nature, you can get that for 60% off. That is your Valentine's gift from TECN right there. And every one of our hosts will be telling you that you go to their particular page site uh, and click on, and that way you can get that 60%. So tonight, for those who are listening, if you're in the TECN uh, AM tomorrow morning to listen to uh, Shannon and Mike at 7, uh, if you want to listen to Willie at 9, uh, or Melanie at 10, they each have an area where you can click on and you can uh, get your software uh, download at 60% off, and also TCM PM for either uh, Ralph and Lonnie in the afternoon drive time at 4 to 6, uh, or my show at 9 p.m., you can click on and listen to it. So make certain that you click on that gift next to you, put the code in so that you can get your 60% off. We'll be right back right after this message. Another one?
Facebook Reaver, Common Sense. You can catch me every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on SHRmedia.com. Every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, SHRmedia.com. Good morning. I'm Mike Wright. And I'm Shannon Wright. Okay, folks, that's not how it goes. I think I'm Shannon, and I you're Michael. Yeah. We are the right way with Shannon and Mike. Join us from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Live on SHR Media. And on TECN. Where we'll be talking about all kinds of things. From sports and politics. To food and entertainment. To money. Family. And anything else in between. Community, holidays, It'll be great. Join us from 7 a.m. Eastern Time. All right. Our dark. The people are misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the messages of Islam. A nation looking for direction needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, Funded Press, Live Rebooting Liberty and YouTube for a unique end of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy because the truth is not always pleasant. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to New Day Black Red, a show, a program that attempts to give you not only a spiritual viewpoint but a constitutional viewpoint on those affairs of this particular day. Of course, we have with us none other than the great host himself, the professor, Dr. Michael Jones. Yay. Good day, sir. It's good to have you here. I know. Um, uh, I hope that you enjoyed the red nail polish that I put on your toenails this, uh, this afternoon. Well, uh, while I was sleeping, it, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. It was my honor. Yes. Sincerely. I now know why you call Lonnie the lion chaser. <laughs> why is that? It was that red nail polish. <laughs> Milner says it was a nice idea, the nail polish. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and I just have to warn all the male listeners out here, if you really think buying software to clean up your girlfriend's computer is romantic for Valentine's Day, then, then I, I have a special on the Underground Professor Show. We have bacon-scented sheets for you to use on the couch. Yes. Thank you. That's a matching set. That's a very nice gift. Because that's where you'll be sleeping. (laughs) As uncouth as I am about relationships, even I know you don't buy a plunger for your girlfriend for Valentine's Day. Sure you do. Uh, A lot of things get stuck. And I must tell you guys, uh, some of the porno sites, uh, you want to clean up anyway. So, you know, yeah. why not? Oh, there why you go. That, that is a good thought. Thank you very much. Clean up your computer for your wife or your spouse or your significant lover. Just before whatever. the show went on tonight, I got a message here somewhere. I don't know where it is now, but it says, oh, here it is. Pornhub just launched a sex ed portal for its users. So it's going to be offering sex education for the people that are there to watch uh, – Watch their girls in pigtails and plaid skirts, it says. It's uh, teamed up with famed sex therapist Dr. Lori Batito to create a sexual awareness education 
channel. Huh. Really? Yes. So I guess you could say you go there for the sex ed uh, classes, like we used to tell our uh, girlfriends we read Playboy for the articles. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I and you did actually read them for the articles. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an intellectual. I was pursuing hard knowledge. Yes. Uh, and, and I got, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I felt kind of cheated. If you ever seen Agador's Playboys in Braille, that they actually, you know, they're kind of tactile. <laughs> so yeah. And we got cheated. All we could do was look at ours. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a little nifty this evening, isn't it? They got the Playboy. Hey, <laughs> don't be making fun of the Japanese. Winston just crawled up in my lap, everybody. This is Sir Winston, my one-eyed rat terrier. See? Do not now, French me. Out. No, my, do not French me. Yeah. This is why courts were made, so that you can actually threaten to take the professor to court so Winston, who is part black, can get some airtime. Yep. Thank goodness. It kind of reminds uh, me of you, Ken, because he's got black hair, and then right here on his chest, he's got those little gray hairs like a goatee. Yeah, right here. Yeah. You guys been hanging out together? (laughs) You've been been eating (laughs) fried pickles? Yeah, all my dogs are rescue dogs, all six of them. I I can't say no to rescue dogs. So I've got several acres, and I I bring in dogs and rescue them and let them live here for the rest of their lives until they kick off. Okay, Professor, I'm getting getting, getting some brushback from a woman who happens to be in the chat role, and and I'm just wondering if that's a very bad gift for women. uh, Cleaning up your PC. Are you kidding uh, me? If they come and see your PC has no browser history, you know what they're going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, that's not true. It's not true. Uh-huh. Talk to the hand. They're going. To, they are going to give you the third degree or the cold shoulder if they see a completely cleared out browser history. That's not the mark of innocence. The mark of innocence is handing over your phone and saying, "Here, <laughs> look." But uh, yeah, having it all cleared out that that makes you look guilty. Um, so, so on the same page uh-huh. that we have that. We have that coupon where if it, it may not be for your Valentine's Day gift, yeah, uh, 60% off what I paid. Uh, so, you know, it's a very good deal, I believe, to make sure that your software and hardware are all... Oh, that's a great deal. It's just not a Valentine's yeah. level gift. I if, think if, it's a Valentine's... If, if you get it, it so, better come in a package of flowers and candy. <laughs> There are expectations. It's not really, you know, they tell you don't get me anything. I really don't need nothing. You know, I'd just rather have time with you. They say that crap. But then they have to go back to their girlfriends the next day and tell them what you brought. And they're sitting there listening to everybody tell the stories of what wonderful boyfriends and husbands brought them flowers and candy and took them out to eat. And they and then they say, oh, yeah, I got a 60% off coupon to get my browser clean. And they look at her and they go, Oh, is that what the kids are calling it these days? Cleaning your browser, huh? And they're like, no, he really wanted to clean my browsers. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so 
So then they have to tell their girlfriends that, and then they all sit around and talk about what a piece of crap boyfriend they have or, or husband, and then they spend the rest of the time picking on you and feeling bad for her because, you know, she can't defend you and she can't uh, praise you in front of them, and what she wants to do is brag about you. So you put on your Buster Brown shoes and your Oxford white shirt and your pants that come up above your ankles, and you go with a little flower in your hand like a rose. I'm going to get my girlfriend a single yellow rose because I'm going to tell her she is my yellow rose of Texas. See, we Texans are smart. We can do that. We can only have to buy one flower that way. You guys have to buy like dozens of flowers, you know, and get away with it. But, and then I'm going to take her out to a nice restaurant and, uh, and look at her while she talks. And I'm going to nod a lot. And, uh, and while I'm thinking about, you know, sports statistics, I'm going to nod and say yes a lot to her, whatever she says, and uh, and look at her in the eyes, yes, and she's going to go and tell everybody what a fantastic boyfriend she has. So let me just ask you this question. This is taking us way off of what I want to talk about, but maybe Woo! better for Because <laughs> Valentine's is next week, or, or at least the week after that, or whatever. And I guess knowing is half the battle when when the actual day is. Uh, but most people will be taking someone out on the weekend uh, to celebrate that. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, maybe you so, can take Peaches to McDonald's again. No, no, no. We're moving up. No. Uh, we're going, Are these? We're going on. What are you, the That's Jeffersons? Right. What's going on here? <laughs> But when I have to do this with you, that that doesn't happen. Well, well, thank you for letting me know. I was wondering why the back door was always cracked. Uh, that's, that's why I always tell you I'm my, your back door friend. <laughs> that you do. Oh, you absolutely. I do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for telling me why. Oh. Uh, but there is, I believe, a very and just tell me if this is a tasteful dress that a woman should wear on Valentine's Day. You're talking about that uh, leather dress that chicks wear? Yes! Don't you think that's... I think it's a very tasteful dress. It's a dress that says, I love my man and my man loves me dress for Valentine's okay. Day. Okay, I'm going to tell I, you, it depends on if you're taking her to a strip club or a steakhouse. <laughs> There's only half of her's covered in that. No, no, no. Three thirds of her is almost covered. Well, yeah, but the high beams are on. I, I, I would say no. The. Uh, so you say no to this dress? Oh, I would. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I got my girlfriend a uh, little black dress. What do they call those? LB, uh, LBDs or whatever. A little black dress. Yeah, well, uh, isn't so, that LBD enough right there? Well, yeah. That well, is- that's that's a little black dress, all right. Well, it's not so little, but it is a black dress. But, um, but uh, you know, I think it's okay, but you would have to get her a shawl or something to wear over it. That, uh, because unless unless she does, uh, unless she's like a, a musician, 
than I, you know, a singer, then I, I don't think it would be appropriate without a shawl or some a cameo, some something to wear over her shoulders and stuff to, you know, take away from the the uh, that that'd be something you know that, that's sexy for later. But you know, you give her a shawl to wear and or a sweater. No, no, no. no. What you do is you give her a three hundred dollar coupon to the hair shop so she can get weave. So Zach will replace the need for shawls and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And then she will love you because you let her go and get weed. Yeah, and now you wonder why black people are always broke. <laughs> because you spent $300 on a weave and she's got to be there 18 hours to get it. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah. This is what I learned when I went to Washington, D.C., and I discovered that hair places are open at 3 in the morning because they start at 5 in the afternoon, and they won't finish exactly. until 3 in the morning. It's like good gravy. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It takes about eight hours to even there. But, uh, okay, plussidesfix.com yeah. is the place that I married all the women to go, especially those women who are going uh, to the Trailblazers Awards event in Washington, D.C. on the 11th and 12th. Uh, Maxine Blake and others are being honored as trailblazers. Uh-huh. Uh, they, conservatives or Republicans who have been uh, overlooked because they're not senators or very wealthy or have some form of nobility that people want to include taxes to, and they're being honored. Uh, so I'm encouraging all the women get your dress from plus size fix great dress. So how about the gold dress that the young woman is wearing? down on that particular page. Is that not a very beautiful yeah. and conservative That one's better. Thing? That one's better. That one, okay. Yeah. Now, at yeah. least, I have to say this, at least you don't have the turbo toilet cleaner on for Valentine's Day. What's wrong with turbo toilet? I, I don't think it's better. That's, uh, that, that's that one where you uh, you had the turbo toilet cleaner, you know, that you were tile, tile and toilet cleaner. And I thought right. how sad it was that you needed a, a toilet cleaner that goes turbo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying fiber, you, my friend, fiber. Well, you know where I eat. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, nothing says romance like a turbo toilet cleaner. So, yeah. So, yeah. But you, when you wrap it up and everything, it looks good. Uh-huh. You know, it's a wrapping. It doesn't have to be the gift. It only has to be the wrapping. What? I know you guys like wrappers. <laughs> we love ourselves. You people. The wrappers. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you people. So, <laughs> if you go down further on this particular page, uh, there are three other options. And you tell me which would be a better Valentine's Day gift. If you know that she's blind, that you get her glasses at a 40% off. Oh, on your page, let me tell you what the best Valentine gift is. There's something here with a a jar of something or a candle. That would be okay. But uh, now the number one gift on your page that I see for Valentine's Day would have to be uh, uh, Golden Eagle uh, gold. (laughs) There you go. go. That's what they would find the most romantic. Now, I want to ask Deborah and Melanie and Mary. Well, Deborah's gone. But Mary and Melanie and Claudia, if your man came home with a hundred dollars worth of gold coins and laid them on the bed for you and said, "Happy Valentine's Day," would you find that acceptable? Holy cow! Did you say lay it on the bed like you're buying it? No, 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 not, not, not 
you're, you're bi. It's no wonder I'm... you're single. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh huh. Yeah. Come here, baby. Toss the gold on the bed. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Well, what's next? You're gonna you're gonna drop it down the uh, the well. But that's not romantic. It, Isn't that romantic? Are you Your kidding me? Gold can be romantic if you give it to them in the right way, but holy cow. The, the uh, Melanie said you basically what? put money on the bed. Yeah, you'd leave it on the, uh, you'd leave it on the bed and tell her to make you a sandwich? <laughs> make, make me a sandwich on the way out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. It, it, it is romantic. I think it's romantic because What's happening here, you already have money on the bed. It's called a bed spread. Uh-huh. Something that's unessential. Okay? A bed spread is unessential. Wait, hold on a second. Hey, hey, wait. Let me hand you this shovel real quick. Go ahead. <laughs> so wait a minute. Mary says a gold necklace, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Claudia says if I was a pirate, it might be good. I'm thinking, wait a minute, if I give you gold coins, you go buy your own gold necklace, right? What? Melt it down. I'm going to take <laughs> Melanie out, and she can leave gold coins on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah, now, I'll even make the sandwich. Like, yeah. See, now this show is completely off what we were going to talk about <laughs> in terms of politics and economics. This used to be a very soul-searching show. <laughs> yeah, this and is for CBS. <laughs> this is for CBS who's listening. I, I, I want to know, why is that such a bad gift? Your man gets you gold coins. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's how you give it to her. Now, now look, if you got her like a dozen flowers and, and you take the gold coin to each one, that would be romantic. They would like that. <laughs> But, you know, you, you can't put money, you can't make a Valentine's gift a money thing. And the worst thing you can do is say, well, that's a $300 dress I bought you. You know, you, you really look good in it or, you know, or try to look good because it's a $300 dress. You see, you got to be careful because you can't, you attach money to something and you ruin any romance to it. You lose all your points. Well, why go to dinner then? The same reason you talk to women. What? Why do you talk to women? I don't talk to women. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Me either. This is why we're we're lonely people. The minute you say something, it infers that you're going to listen to them. Exactly. So, so I, <laughs> you take women to dinner so that part of the time you have an excuse not to talk to them because you're chewing. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. I, right. Can, I can go with that. <clears throat> so yeah. that gives you an excuse right there. And and it occupies some of the time that you're trying to figure out what to say to them. But, no, you, I tell you what you do. You see, you get them a couple of flowers and you take them to dinner because eating is an intimate act between people. Uh, you let your guard down. You let them see you do things, you know, like. You become a mouth breather when you eat, and you maybe not close your mouth when you chew. You do all kinds of weird things, and if they still want to go home and make love to you after that, you know you've got somebody special if they've watched you eat. And But you, you wait, can wait, sit wait. there and talk to them and, and look them in the eyes because you're right across a little table from each other, you know, and, and chicks dig that kind of stuff. 
Because you've got to okay. remember, for women, it's how you make them feel. And if they can anchor an emotion to a feeling, then that's important to them. So what they do is they remember how you treated them or how you looked at them. This is why, like, when a guy picks up a baby, women think, oh, my gosh, he's man material right there because he's holding this little baby and he's being sweet to it. And that means that he would make a good father. And they anchor that emotion to that idea. And now you've got an end. You know, this is why when you take a dog to the park, women come up and talk to you because dogs are cute and precious and they anchor that emotion to you and they, and they associate that with you. So this is what you do. You go out to dinner and you treat them like human beings and, and equals and you look them in the eye and you talk to them and you tell them how you feel and you get to do that kind of mushy crap on Valentine's Day without looking like a fool, like you can dress up on Halloween and not be a fool, you know. Uh, so, so explain to me this then, Professor. Yeah. Because I I'm going to ask you this question. Anything may be asked. Okay. Why I go out of my way to take her to uh, Shula uh, when we could have that same intimate relationship at the Golden Corral? Why? Okay. Is that a serious Uh, question? Yes, that's a serious question. You said don't put me money to this thing. Okay. Don't put money to this thing. Now, let me tell you what. I'm, and I'm going to be very serious with my answer. There are lots okay. of women who would love to go to Golden Corral because that's what they can afford, and that would be a big night out for them, you know, and, and they would like it. There are other women who know that you can afford Landry's or, you know, or Shula's or, you know, or the Chop House or Infuse, and, and then that's what they, uh, they expect from you. And so when you take them – to Arby's to get a steak burger and say, hey, baby, I still bought you steak, you're not going to win any points. You know? So it's, it, it's what you put into it. See, women aren't, they don't have to have the expensive stuff, but they want to see what kind of effort you put into it because that effort you put into this night tells them how you feel about them. And see, it's unfair because this burden is mostly on men. Women don't have to yeah. do much on Valentine's Day, and it's not really fair uh, because, you know, it's two in the relationship, and they should have to respond and, and do things in kind. Uh, but most women don't think they have to, and they don't. And, uh, and so oh. you um, – thank yeah. you. So, what if I stretch out the Shula uh, dinner over 364 days? You could go there every day of the year? Oh yeah, but you see, you got to have concentrated love on Valentine's Day. You can't have you can't have you know thinned out. Yeah, yeah you, again, like I said, it's how you make them feel. You don't have to do a lot. You could you tell you what you could do. You could go make some sandwiches from your refrigerator and put them in a picnic basket and throw in some styrofoam plates and a box of wine and take them out. And as long as you're laying on that blanket with them, staring at them and talking about them and telling them how you feel about them and how that you make them, you're, you're a better man because of them, and you want to be a better man because of blah blah. Then, then that's what they want to hear, and then they're going to go back and tell all their girlfriends, "You do not believe what this guy did. He spent eight dollars on Valentine's, and it was the most magical Valentine's I've ever had." And they'll tell their, their friends this, and you'll be a hero. But if you, uh, but if you monetize it, if you make it gaudy, then you lose points. And taking them to Shula's doesn't help. Uh, it won't hurt, but it's it not required it's what you do with it that is 
the magic, you know, and you got to make it magic. You know, you don't have to step up very often as a man in a relationship, uh, Christmas, birthdays, yes, Valentine's. Yes, you do. You step up every day as a man in the relationship. You give her love and you give her kindness and affection and you. Okay, you women call that baseline. <laughs> That's just, that's just baseline activity there. You just that's what you have to do in order to to get the sugar. Yeah, if you if you don't want to be in the doghouse, if you don't want to get the stink eye, you know, then then you have to be nice to them. Professor, I just bought the uh the the uh sugar. Uh-huh. I bought it. You bought I it? Said I did. So that's so peaches is a sugar baby.
he had played dramatic social Jason was amazed how straightforward and simple it is to use eClincher. With eClincher, Jason is now able to leverage the power of social media without having to dedicate several hours a day. He can easily organize all his social media accounts in one place, efficiently plan and schedule his posts ahead of time, engage with his followers, understand the effectiveness of his efforts with powerful analytics, find new customers, and much more. In order to tell your business's story, by the process of managing your social media and analyze results, sign up with eClincher today. Oh, I'm talking about the pastor of church in Dayton, Ohio. But I'm also the director of Chicago <laughs> Ranch and Texas Institute. And today I want to just share with you some of the our materials that we've developed so that you can, you can be part of promoting education and safety. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can stay away. Protecting Innocent Teachers. It's a powerful marquee or billboard that you can purchase and wear yourself that brings awareness. Children need advocacy. It's a powerful, powerful piece. We're in a commercial break right now. Be right back to the radio show in a minute. This marquee here with, uh, with some additional wording on it, and you will want to be a part of that. I'm hoping that any of you pastors, any of you you may want to uh, obtain some of these posters, post in the recreation center. It would be great to post this in the foyer of your church. It would be awesome for you to post this throughout the school of, of, uh, of your community. Involvement is what's necessary. Involvement is what makes the difference. Uh, we know that in order for evil to triumph, all that is necessary. And then we have these little marquees. You can take, you can order a hundred of them, or fifty of them. You can pass them around to your family. You can pass them around at a family event. Or a local event going to be at a festival or something. These are very handy, they're very cost efficient, and they make a powerful statement. They really make it. And then we have our protecting innocent um, living. And in this package, it's not only just the ribbon, but it also has a message. A safety awareness message, actually a tip, uh, and the tip encourages parents to exercise scrutiny with the relationships that your children are involved with. Today, we see more and more children being victimized by teachers, by uh, coaches, and by other people, other supposedly trusted individuals. Hey, Mortis, welcome to Periscope. And then you will want to be involved with the overall Protecting Innocence campaign because we're making plans right now to build a retreat government. Well, I think all the protests, I think they're useful idiots, guys. 
Uh, useful idiots is all they are. We're in the middle of a commercial break for the radio show we're doing. We're talking about Valentine's Day and men's roles at it right now. And, uh, but we're in a commercial break for radio in black and red, a simulcast I do with a friend of mine out of Washington, D.C. All that's where we're at right now. Welcome, everybody that's coming in. Kenny G. <laughs> you happen to share the name Kenny G, or do you, uh, you play that instrument? Again, I'm Donovan Larkin. Chicana Ranch, Protecting Innocence Campaign. And by the way, Cancer Summit. So call us so that you can register your child at 97 all right. We're almost out of commercial break here. I hope. Ladies and gentlemen, there we are. Pastor Donovan Larkin is a great friend of ours and a wonderful supporter of Open Heart Closed Case who understands the threats of pedophilia, sexual abuse, and physical abuse to young people, uh, has joined us in making it possible to help those young people, especially with the camp coming up this summer, we're trying to raise $10,000. Woefully, we're very short of that. Uh, it seems that people are more active in giving after a child has been abused than trying to prevent it. I hope that we can change that. Because 30% of what raised is also given in recognition of my daughter, she needs built in Syracuse University, in her name. Would you help us? Five, 10, 20. Maybe you want to give them all that it doesn't matter. Every child that doesn't that support that spends the rest of their lives hopefully And their children and their children's children suffer accordingly. Yeah, press the donation button that's right next to us. Found it find it on the Exception Conservative Show page. Give today. We really would appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to New Day Black and Red live for the Nation Chapel in Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas, with the wonderful, great host, <clears throat> Dr. Michael Jones, who's trying to convince me uh, that it is a wonderful thing not to take $100 worth of gold coins and roll them out on the bed and put an Arby's burger right next to the bed uh, <clears throat> with large curvy fries. Uh, and a large soft drink, and say Happy Valentine's Day. Wait. I love you. Are, are you dating Rosie O'Donnell? No, it's not. It doesn't matter. The woman does it. Really? Curly fries and gold coins? Are you serious? Yeah, why not curly fries? I mean, if you've been together, you know each other. You uh-huh. know what he means, and you know what she means. And it doesn't matter about this one day. Okay, let me just say this, Ken. Let's pretend okay. you're a woman, and I'm a woman, and we're at work. Now, you come up and you tell me, my man put curly fries and gold coins on my bedspread. Go ahead. Let's see where this goes. Okay. My boyfriend put curly fries and gold coins, $100, with a gold coin that were real, mm. 24 carats. Oh, no, girl. You tell me you didn't give that up to him after that. Uh-uh. Oh, no, you didn't. Mm. Mm. What's next? Salad? 
He put salad on the pillow? That's what I hear. Uh-huh. You haven't seen a salad. It didn't even walk by. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just think in our economy. Uh-huh. With so, Can so you imagine many, Diamond uh, and Silk, what they would say if you did that? I will bring them on my show and I will ask them. Ask them that. I want to be there. For, I want, And I want to be there when you do it. I want to have a, a, a microphone on. <laughs> I want to ask Because I'm going to help you, you know ask them. <laughs> That's a challenge. I'm going to try to do it for the 13th. That's normally what we do. Mondays, we normally do the stacks of things. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll see what I can do in terms of getting Diamond and Silk back on our program. Yeah. I'm going to ask. That's right. I don't think that, we need to get them back I, on, and then I want to be a part of that conversation. That I, I will make it for <laughs> I, I, I want to know. Why we think one because now remember Valentine's Day was is noted for the murder of so many people. Uh, well, yeah. Why did we Valentine's Day massacre? Is that what you're talking about? That's usually what I yeah. is describing the Valentine's days I give women. Yeah, the massacre. Yeah. This is why I know so much about what not to do on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I am willing to take advice and counsel. Uh-huh. At this point, let me um, tell you, this is I, all you need to know. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter how much you spend. Honestly, it doesn't. Uh, and, really? and yeah, it does not matter. And if you focus on what you're spending on it, then you lose. You you lose whatever it is you gain or, or you could have gained. What matters, and this is this is the 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 point that I I drive to my friends that will listen to me. What matters is what kind of emotion you're going to evoke from your woman. How will she anchor? How will she anchor? I'm want, people want to see Hendon. Sir Hendon. This is Sir Hendon, my blind pug. They want to know, they want to anchor an emotion to an event. Okay. And then they sit there and, you know, women never forget crap, right? They never, and this is why they can bring up something you said 12 years ago, like it just was said an hour before. And, yeah. uh, and so they anchor these emotions to events. And if you make an event a good emotion, like, like you pick up a puppy dog or you're holding a baby and you're being very good with the baby, you're not dropping it or holding it weird, you're goo-gooing it, you know, and you're, and you're making the baby laugh, you know, then that anchors an emotion that they stick to that. And then when they think about you later, they think about what you looked like with that baby or with that puppy dog. And then they think well about you. And then so for when, no reason at all, so, you, she comes home and she's happy and she jumps in your arms and she gives you a big hug and a kiss and tells you she's been thinking about you all day and she loves you and whatnot. And, and you don't know where that's coming from. Well, that's because she was thinking about an anchored emotion that she had earlier from some other event that just happened across okay, her so, mind. So when she goes to work and tells her friends what you did, she had better have a good anchor instead of a bad anchor. I go to the store and I get her the supersized Hershey almond bar. So there we go. You're always with the fat stuff. Let let me tell you something. Let me tell you about my favorite Valentine's Day, and it was the biggest debacle of my life, but it was my favorite Valentine's Day. Okay? I went to the store, and I I went to the flower store, and I, I talked to the person there, and I bought a bucket of rose petals. 
Okay, all the rose petals that fell on the floor, you know, and, and they were going to throw away. I went in there and I said, I'll give you 10 bucks for all those. And they thought, well, what the heck? We're just going to throw them away. <clears throat> so I yeah. came in with this five-gallon paint jug of, of rose petals of all different colors. And then I spread them all over the, the mattress uh, of our bed, right? And I put candles in there, and I put chocolates on the pillow. I went and got those mints, you know, those thin mints that she liked, my, my wife at the time. And, and I put those on the pillow. And I took her to a, um, a, the best steak restaurant I could find in Tucson, Arizona. And we went and ate steaks. And I sat there, and I had no agenda for the night. I just listened to her. I listened to everything she said, and I really did. I wasn't thinking about baseball or my work or anything. I decided, you know what, I'm going to give her my undivided attention because that's what she's always saying she wants. Yes, I'm on YouTube, too, Underground Professor. And, and, uh, and so I gave her my undivided attention. She thought that was an amazing night because all she could ever talk about was how I looked her in the eye and I responded to everything she said like I paid attention. And she thought that was amazing because she, I'd never really do those things. All right, so then we go home and she sees the bed full of uh, Kanichiwa. She sees uh, Kambawa. She sees the bed full of rose petals and everything. And I take her and I whisk her into the bed. We make torrid monkey love all night and when we wake up in the morning we are all blotched from the dye of the red flower petals <laughs> and so we look like like we are mottled you know with our, our skin has just got all kinds of shading and color and stains all over it and there was no washing that crap off it had to wear off and uh, and so wow. we both look like idiots for a week you know we had to tell everybody what had done and what we happened and and here's what I discovered. All the guys thought I was an idiot for doing it, and they thought that was funny and stupid, and, and they laughed at me. All the women, all the women said, oh, my God, that's so romantic. I can't believe he did that, and then he didn't get mad when it happened. He laughed about it, and he told you you still look beautiful. Oh, my God, woman, that was amazing. And they talked about this because it anchored an emotion of fun and good and and paying attention and everything, and that lasted a long time. I got more out of that night, and I might have spent $20 for the whole night between the steak dinners. You know, of course, this was back in the 80s, but but the steak dinners, the rose petals, the chocolates, the candles, all that cost me less than 20 bucks. And, uh, and that was the most magical uh, night I'd ever given a woman on Valentine's. Now, I'm hoping that on the 14th, I'm going to up the ante because I'm taking Megan – I bought her a little black dress and some earrings and, uh, and, a, and a necklace um, that, that has a moon on it, and, and it tells her that I'm head over heels over the moon for her and on the necklace. I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically that. And, uh, and I'm taking her to Roos Chris Steakhouse, which is the top steakhouse in the country. It, it serves uh, the top 1% of the beef in the country. It gets it. And... Uh, and the way it serves the beef, it cooks the beef at 500 degrees. So when it comes out, like if you want medium, it comes out rare. But the steak is so hot, it keeps cooking. And while you're cutting yeah. the steak, it keeps cooking. And, uh, and then, you, uh, you know, then it's where you want it to be while you're eating it. And I've got my tucks all brushed out and ready to go and my patent leather shoes. And uh, the steak sizzles on the plate, right? It splatters all over you. So you've got to, like, 
you got to take your napkin out and put it around your neck to keep it from uh, splattering all over your clothes. And, and the experience is just amazing. You know, the wait staff, it, it, it just, uh, it, it's going to be for Megan, who has never done anything like this. It's going, I hope it's not going to be ostentatious. I hope it's going to be magical for her and not too much, but it's a fantastic steak. And, and Megan has, uh, she, she's like me, you know, I, I have bad teeth because I was in the air force. And I got free medical care, and so my teeth aren't great. Uh, Megan doesn't have good teeth either, and so eating a steak is rather hard for her. But Roos Chris, and this is why I chose this, is because you can cut their steaks with a fork. And I figured that would make it a lot easier for her to eat, and she'd be able to have a, one of the best steaks in the country and the experience that comes with it, but she'd also be able to eat it without fighting, you know, and, and hurting her mouth and so that's why I'm choosing that. It's, it's actually there's thinking about this with love and not just you know, not just all about presentation. And uh, yeah, but what do we get out of the deal? Huh? Uh, what do we get out of? It? I mean, what, well, other than expect- spending the night with a beautiful woman and getting to know that everybody's going to look at me with my beautiful 26 year old girlfriend, <laughs> that's worth it all on its own. But. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, what do we get out of it? Uh, we get we yeah. get love and loyalty back, man. Okay. When when your wife cooks you a meatloaf, or or chitlins or turnip greens or whatever you guys you know chick, fried chicken whatever you guys eat every night, you know the, I, I, I don't, I'm not being funny. I mean whatever your standard meals are, you know why they're always yeah. better than a restaurant because Peaches puts love in that food. When she cooks it, you know, because she loves you and she's cooking that food and it just somehow gets into the food. When I eat the food Megan makes, it's it's so amazing compared to other food. And, and it's because she has love going into it while she's cooking it. And so you get that. You get their companionship. And and uh, and if you're lucky, you get a little nooky. What if I just write her a card? What if I just write her a little letter? Yeah. Say, I love Roses you. are red. Violets are blue. Your bum is big, and mine is too. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day 2017, baby. That's Valentine. Yeah. Uh, give it to someone loves you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By the way, while you're, while you're reading this, please go make me a savage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. What kind of sandwich are you making me at night? Uh, <laughs> let me tell you. If you write them a letter, or you know, I tell you, an amazing thing to do on Valentine's Day is to write them an actual love letter and mail it to them so it gets there on Valentine's Day. All right? Or, you know, if you're not sure, then put write on it, open on Valentine's Day if it gets there a day early. But we don't, in this society, we don't write letters anymore very often. And so if you actually yeah. sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and you write out with your hand, a little love letter telling them, you know, and it doesn't have to be sophisticated or poetic. You could just write, you know, baby, I love you so much. You're an amazing woman. And I am blessed by God to have you in my life. You make me a better man. And, and I love you with all my heart and passion. And I wish I could show you every day how I actually feel about you, but I hope this letter will convey to you that I do love you and that you are special to me. You sign that love, you know, happy Valentine's Day 2017 stuff, and you send it to them, then uh, uh, they're gonna they're gonna freak out, and it doesn't yeah. cost you anything but a stamp and a few minutes time. 
But if it, it but it's got to come from your heart. You can't just write this crap and send it and don't mean it, you know, because then it doesn't it won't work. There's something so Daddy, about it, yeah. It, so and they'll know, front, and they will know. <laughs> so, so standing in front of the card rack and writing down what other people has written is not a good thing to do. Well, you could probably just copy what I just said and and get away with it. But <clears throat> but if you write from your heart, whatever you write, and and in your own words. That's because they know you, right? And so they know when you're giving them crap or when, when you've got, um, oh gosh, what is that? Um, it's one of my favorite stories of all time, and I can't remember the name of it. The, the dude with the big nose that coaches his friend on how to woo the girl with his poetry. The Bergerac. Yeah, Bergerac or whatever that is. Something, it's really close yeah. to that. Yeah. So <clears throat> they know. That you're giving them crap if it's not you and in your words, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Cyrano de Bergiac, thank you. <clears throat> David said that on there. He's got it right. Digital Dave on Periscope came up with that. Cyrano de Bergiac. Well, if if you got the Cyrano version, then they're going to know it. But you know, if 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 you're if you're a malt single malt whiskey kind of guy. And you write something that looks like a beer guy wrote it, they're going to know, and and vice versa, you know, you know, you're not if you're if you're sitting around swirling Pat's Blue Ribbon beer and you write some virtuoso poem, they're going to know that you went online and copy and pasted to them, and they're going to figure that out, and you're going to pay for it. <laughs> but, uh, so you got to put it in your own words, yeah, Longfellow. There you go. Uh, you put it in your own words. But thank you, BC. But you know, write what you think about them. And and write a you know, card or uh, make them a card. You know, no, no, let me tell no, you what I gave my no, mom last year for Mother's do, Day. Don't take that advice right there that the professor just gave. Don't take, do not write what you really think. Write the sweet stuff he's talking about. Yeah, there you go. That's what I meant. What the professor meant was, yeah, don't let them know what you really think. Yeah. Come here, you uh, piece of read, meat. Uh, no, uh, yeah. no. Let me tell you what I gave my mom for Mother's Day last year. Okay. okay. This is this will give you an idea of what you can do for Valentine's Day. I took a paper plate and I traced a picture of my hand on it, and then I painted it as a turkey. And then I put some macaroni around the edge of it and glued it on. And then I dumped some glue on it and sprinkled glitter all over it. And then I wrote Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And I gave that to her for Mother's Day, and she cried like a baby. Because it reminded her of when I was four and did that, right? And gave her one of those. And and that was kind of the effect I was hoping for was that, you know, that she would think about me as a little kid and, you know, and me bringing that stupid crap home as a kid. And moms always tell you that it doesn't matter what you bring. You know, it's a thought that counts and, you know, they just like those things. And that's why they stick them on the fridge and everything. Well, my mom actually stuck it on the fridge <laughs> for a while, <laughs> Uh, but she was amazingly touched by that stupid thing that I did uh, because I brought back a memory that she had anchored of me as a kid back when I was still a decent person. And, uh, and so that's why I tell you that this is, this is no small thing I'm talking about. Anchored emotions are an amazing weapon men can use with women if you understand the technique. But you have to do it, and you have to have a woman that actually anchors emotions. I'm not quite sure I'm with one right now that does that. But, but you know, it's true, and they have no defense against it because that's how God made them. 
I have no defense well, against it, but it has to be honest. You can't do it. You can't fake it, and because it, it, it won't work, and it won't. If it does, it won't work long, and then it'll backfire on you like you won't believe. But exactly. um, gentlemen, yeah, you do make her feel good. So this month, don't take her food stamps. Let her eat them. That's right. Let her eat them. First Peter three verses one through seven. Let me read them very quickly. Likewise, be wise, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of painting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornate ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him forth, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. But I want you men to know that the greatest qualification is not the six verses that I just read, for women, is the one for you. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them 